Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6-NERDS-5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Ed Kramer, CGI artist from Industrial Light and Magic. I worked on the Scarabs from The Mummy, the rock monster from Galaxy Quest, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Pop Culture Con 2020 and beyond. I am Ryan. With me is Zach and Brad. Every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. This week on episode 399 consecutive weeks, we saw Dark Phoenix. Stay tuned to the end of the show. We will tell you if you should see the film or not, play the trailer, then get into spoiler territory. We're also going to talk about movies you should should be watching no movies we've watched movie news do you guys see that justin bieber challenged tom cruise to a fight oh, i was gonna do that fight news. You're gonna lose. Fuck. no that's too that's too big to even yeah, not bring I, up right away so like what, what what compels you to wake up in the morning and do that being justin bieber i know you're stoned but he's supposed to be sober i guess but, but, but what a random dude to challenge it might just be like him trolling Tom Cruise on the internet. But see, like, if you were going to actually do that, why don't you tag him? See, like, it seems like Tom, uh, Justin Bieber's the pussy for not tagging Tom Cruise in it and drawing him into the fight. Yeah. Well, Amongst other issues with the to, tweet itself. I mean, if you really extrapolate that, I mean, Tom Cruise trains constantly. So I'm guessing in a real fight, Tom Cruise would kill him. Yeah, probably. Because, one, he's always in, like, really great physical shape. He's always working hard. He's always doing kicking, punching. You know what? We'll call it kicking impossible. No, <laughs> Bieber's not even going to be able to chase him down. Like that's what I mean. Like, Tom Cruise could run away, or Tom Cruise could just dance. There's no way. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that Tom Cruise's cardio is probably thirty thousand times better than Justin Bieber's because Tom Cruise is unreal. It's just a weird thing. I I, I read that like at six thirty this morning and going, what in the hell? It's probably just for attention. Yeah, I mean, because does he even make music? I swear I've never heard any of his songs. I heard he quit making music. Now he's just hanging out with El- one of Alec Baldwin's kids or something. I don't know. I think they got married. I don't but, I don't know. He's got a lot of okay, tattoos, so, though, okay. and it's scary. Have you heard a Justin <laughs> Bieber song? Yeah. What song have you heard? 
a baby one. It baby, was uh, two Lewitskis walking. The only part, but that's what I mean. That's the only part of it I know. I don't know any other lyrics. Yeah. Or but I guess there's the Despacito thing. I don't know. That's not really his thing. I've, I've heard songs that I didn't know were his, and then I'd later find out were his, but I could not tell you a single name of one. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, but he's, he's, I guess he's mega popular. I don't know anything about him. Yeah. He's, I just know he's a know weirdo. He's Canadian. Yeah. Just you know, I don't uncharacteristic li- of Canadians. I don't tend yeah. to listen to Hollywood <laughs> Babylon that much anymore, but I'm tempted to listen to it this week now, because I'm sure they're going to bring it up. Hey, oh, guy. Yeah. I want to challenge you to fight, guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want to go to a fight, Tom? Uh, don't run away from me, uh, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> just... Again, like, what did he do after that? Like, have breakfast and then didn't expect a shitstorm? I well, I, it's a, I think Brad's right. I think it's just for attention because it's why else be. would it doesn't make any sense? Unless they like ran into each other at, at a club and Tom Cruise stepped on his foot I don't and know. Tom Cruise is like, "Fuck you, man!" <laughs> I would. You know what? If I see Justin Bieber, I'm gonna tell him to fuck off. I'm gonna go back to making Mission Impossible seven and eight. Yeah, I uh, want Tom Cruise to tweet back. Tweet back to Justin Bieber. Sounds like you've lost that love and feeling. And then to see if it actually turns into an actual. There's no exchange. way Tom Cruise will respond to that. No, no, he's there's not. There's no way. Of course, one because he didn't tag him, but two. Well, two. I, <laughs> he's not good because he, he's. I mean, he has to hear about he's, it. He's you, busy trying to figure out how to do another death-defying stunt. Well, that's what I mean. Do you think he's just sitting around in his? Because I'm sure he doesn't even run his Twitter or anything. Do yeah. you think his people come and says, you see what this motherfucker Justin Bieber saying about you? And he probably goes, who? <laughs> and you, you know, the you know, the poster for Jerry Maguire has Tom Cruise laughing. That's still applicable today when he sees that tweet from Justin just Bieber. It's just ah! it's like, is that an extra on my set? Yeah. <laughs> Justin Bieber, not familiar. <laughs> I'm too busy making millions of dollars making awesome movies. Instead of Rocky Balboa, Tom Cruise, just this young whippersnapper challenges him out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> that was a weird audition for Top Gun, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging out with the boys. Um, but, like, it's... I don't get it. I just don't understand it. It's the weirdest thing I've read this morning. Justin Bieber's the pilot that dies in the opening ten minutes of Maverick. <laughs> Rich people are weird, man. Yeah. I guess you have nothing else to do, and you challenge Tom Cruise to a fight. Hooray for Holly, weird. Anyway, anyways, what do we talk about besides Tom Cruise being challenged to worthless fights? You know, we go around town with Brad. We do? We do. Did you talk about uh, the theater reopening last week? No. No. Oh, so we really have something to talk about. With Brad in a new theater in Denver. Stand back, you're always going to be the first in line. He's going to be in the middle of the theater, and someone's going to walk in and sit right behind. And when Brad tries to enjoy the movie, he's going to open up his cell phone. He's going to tell his mama that he's going to be home a little bit later because the movie is longer and it has an extra credit scene at the end. And Brad gets pissed and gets up and walks to the back of the theater anyway. He walks up to the projectionist room. Get done. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. So, yeah, The Esquire's coming back. Woo! Uh, June 14th. Yep. They're going to be showing The Dead Don't Die on both screens. Hell yeah. Totally reopened. I mean, remodeled, re, uh, too. Yeah. Reborn. Uh, <laughs> they have those big, black, comfy caption shares seats now, mm-hmm. which I f- which feels like they have less seats. Well, I'm sure in they the do. House, which... Uh, that's where they do the 40 hour and part of 
why they do the 48 hours that they have enough seats there. So now I'm worried that we're not going to show the 48 seats uh, there. I'd rather have enough. really nice seats because the seats at the Esquire were garbage. Yeah, but they... I they, wish had a, they had a quality to them, like an old quality that nope. I enjoyed. Garbage. I wish oh, okay. they had an aesthetic that kind of matched... Because they, they just feel too modern. Like there's just solid black and leathery. I wish they could have had something like... like at but least they need to get people in there. With I mean, an accent. Yeah, people. They want you know to bring in the normal folk. I know. I just wish they maybe... What's, or maybe made them purple. normal, Ryan? <laughs> Not us. Purple uh, cloth or something. Might have no, been okay, good. You're saying. I could still go to my So he, actually, one. here's the big question. Will they still have the free popcorn seasoning? I imagine so. They have Ooh. a new concession stand. I took a picture of it. Mm. Um, what they did is it looks like, because the, the stand is a lot deeper, so they have like a full, uh, you know, the, the front counter, and then there's the popcorn machine right in the middle like the um, Mayan does. Mm-hmm. Um, but it goes farther back, and I imagine because they don't have a a real projector in the real booth anymore, they pushed the wall back. So, because the projection room was huge, um, and they like left the door open, you could see there's like plenty of room that they don't need. Mm-hmm. So there's more like equipment in back for I think more like specialty food mm-hmm. making purposes. Um, but I can't imagine why they would get rid of the free seasoning. That was like, and their popcorn is always really good. But you throw in the free seasoning. Man, I love Colonel Seasons. Well, Landmark Landmark uh, Greenwood Village doesn't have the seasoning at all, period. So I'm just hoping that we at least have it, period. Like, if I have to pay, like, a buck for it, that's fine, you I guess. Regals. You can at Regal. But, like, La- Lam- Greenwood Village Landmark is the only landmark that doesn't have that seasoning at all, period. They have free popcorn, though. I know, but I like that seasoning. So we'll see. Yeah. June 14th. I kind of want to be the first showing. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. You know, like breaking a bottle on a ship. Yeah. They also brought. Uh, they announced their lineup for Midnight Madness, um, which doesn't start till July. But no, but yeah, but they're gonna they're gonna show Blazing Saddles there again, which I did not know opened um, was one of the opening films for that for that theater, or like was like that was like its first Denver run was at the Esquire. Yeah. So I right. imagine seventy four there wasn't a lot of theaters yeah. in Denver. So yeah, no, not a lot of people too. Um, and given that it's a western, that's probably like part of their road show was like maybe we debut it in Denver. And yeah. Then I'm going to go there. That's going to be fun. Um, and then Terminator 2 Judgment Day is on movie theater day. So, Yeah. yeah. And Ninja Scroll. They that that's kind of cool. I haven't seen Ninja Scroll in so long. And it's the only anime I really like. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Because it's super violent and there's like boobs in it. Yeah. I've never seen it, but I've heard about it from you guys. So Let him go, Tessai. But I will kill him. <laughs> the guy gets cleaved in the head. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Um, and then... Um, the drive-in, their lineup is going to be Aladdin, Dark Phoenix, and John Wick 3. That's cool. So check that out. $8, three movies. It's a pretty, pretty, pretty good lineup. Yeah. yeah. Also, I'm going to... Are you done? I'm sorry. I'm trying to think. I think so. Yeah. Right. Let's just say so. If you remember anything else, we can open it up. We don't have, we don't have a script. We do what we want. Yeah. Uh the newest contributor to Real Nerds podcast, Corinne, has posted a new article about Good Omens, the TV show that is now you can stream on Amazon Prime. Which is Michael Sheen and um, David Tennant. Yep. Okay. And uh, so you can hear her thoughts on there in her uh, article she calls Showtime. Um, she also explores Blacklist, which still don't get it. And um, she talked about The Good Place as well, which is... Uh, a good show. People should check it out. Which we will be talking about in the news. And here is Corinne's Catching the Classics. Hey nerds, Corinne here for part 20.5 of Catching the Classics, 
which is actually part five of Catching the Miyazaki Classics, where I'm reviewing all 11 of Hayao Miyazaki's films. And I know I said I was going to do Princess Mononoke next, but I changed my mind. I'm actually going to be reviewing The Wind Rises, um, which is one of the Miyazaki movies I hadn't seen yet, unlike Princess Mononoke. So I wanted to review all the ones of his I hadn't seen first, and then move on to the ones I've already seen, so that way I can kind of tackle them um, with other Miyazaki movies in mind. Um, so, The Wind Rises is the most recent of Hayao Miyazaki's films. It came out in 2013. I believe Miyazaki was 72 at the time, and um, he was pretty much going to retire after that, although apparently now he's in the works on the 12th film, so... Yeah, I don't mind that. Uh, Miyazaki is a great filmmaker, and as we'll talk about more in the coming weeks, but uh, I think I have one more movie of his that I haven't seen, and that's The Castle of Cagliostro, and that's probably going to be the one I watch next. Um, but yeah, this is the most recent of Miyazaki's films. Um, it's, 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 it's so different, I feel like, from a lot of his other movies. Um, it is based on a true story or inspired by true events. The main character is Jiro Horikoshi, who it was a real person, but this is kind of like a fictionalized version of the real person. Um, the character Jiro is based on kind of an amalgamation of two real people, including the real Jiro Horikoshi, who designed the Zero fighter planes. So, a lot of the stuff in the movie is taken from real-life events. Um, there's, like, the, the earthquake... Oh, minor spoilers ahead. There's an earthquake that happens in the first 20 minutes of the movie, and that was a real earthquake. They talk a lot about um, World War One and kind of what happened with the economic fallout around the world in the 20s and 30s, including in Japan as well as in other countries. There's a couple of references to, um, like, Hitler and some of these other, like, world powers that were coming up um, in, into prominence in the 30s. So, yeah, it's... It's definitely, it's like, it's set in the real world, quote-unquote. It's not like in a fantasy world or a fictional world. Um, and it doesn't really have any fantastical elements to it, which I was like, oh my gosh, like, how are we going to do a Miyazaki movie that's based on true events? And the way they kind of get around that is with dreams. Um, when you're first introduced to Jiro, it's with this dream of him flying. And so that's a thing... Um, Jiro is, uh, he wants to design planes, and he preferably wants to fly planes, but he can't because of his eyesight, and so he gets the idea through a dream from another famous, um, designer, Caproni, who's, um, Italian, but they have, like, a kind of a shared dream world. It's really weird, but, I mean, it makes sense in the movie. It's kind of hard to explain it, but they can kind of, like, see each other in their dreams and communicate and um Caproni who's played by Stanley Tucci um who does a great job um he keeps calling him Japanese boy and I'm like why couldn't he have told him his name was Jiro like that would have been 
whatever. Anyway, um, so they have, like, this dream, this dreamland where they're kind of talking about planes and their dreams for their designing of planes and their goals and life and all this stuff. So that's kind of how they get the fantastical elements into the movie. Um, it's, it's, it's really hard to talk about because I really liked this movie and parts of it I didn't like at all. Or, well, not at all. I didn't like as much as other Miyazaki movies. Um, so the animation is beautiful. I think this is the best animated of his movies. I don't know. It's really complicated to talk about because, as I've said before, a lot of the animation on Miyazaki's films look very similar. But this, because it's new, I think it um, it, ha- is, it has the advantages of newer technologies, newer techniques being used. They have, I feel like, more dynamic shots and like camera movements within the world. Um, I mean, it looks gorgeous. This is such a beautiful movie. And as, as I said, compared to a lot of other Miyazaki movies, I think this has more dynamic cinematography than some of his older stuff, like Nausicaa or Porco. Um, I think like a lot of Miyazaki's movies have flying in them, as I'm sure we'll talk about um, later in the series once we're kind of wrapping up all the movies. But um, this, I think, really takes advantage of like the flying, and you get a lot more like different perspectives, and you get to see. It's complicated to explain, I guess, but um, it's 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 very well done. The animation is beautiful. Um, it's. This is also, I think, Miyazaki's only movie that I'm aware of where it goes through, like, a person's whole life. Because all the other ones I'm familiar with, which is all but one of them, I guess, um, it's over the course of, like, a couple of days or a week or a month. This, you're going through different parts of Jiro's life. You know, you see him when he's a kid, you see him when he's a teenager, you see him when he's an adult. So it's almost kind of like a biopic, biopic um, in an animated version, um, you don't get to see him at the end of his life, and I guess there's, there's only one scene that happens post-World War II, and that's in a dream, so they never really address what Jiro's life was like after World War II, but you basically just get to see him design this plane that eventually flies in World War II for Japan, and, um, I guess the part of the movie I didn't like as much is that there are a lot of scenes where nothing really happens. It's, it's a very slow-moving movie. It's, um, compared to, like, Castle in the Sky or Porco Rosso or... Howl's Moving Castle, which obviously we'll talk about later. There, it's There's a lot of like adventure elements to the stories where you're getting to know the world, you're getting to know the characters, there's never like a scene wasted. And I'm not saying there are scenes wasted in this movie, but they're just really quiet character moments. And they're very just... there. <laughs> I don't... It's It's just... It's slow. It's thoughtful. It's very mature. It's adult in, like, the best sense. 
this is not really a movie for kids. I think this is really more a movie for Miyazaki, like, all those kids who came up with Miyazaki who are now in their 20s or 30s. Like, this is a movie for them, presumably. I don't know if you could have... I feel like a 5-year-old would be really bored watching this movie. Maybe a 10-year-old. I guess depends on the 10-year-old, but... Um, it's, yeah, not to say there aren't sequences where things are happening. Like I said, there's, like, an earthquake in the first 20 minutes. There are people flying around a lot of the time. So, I mean, there's still things happening, but I'd say about 65% of this movie is people just hanging out. Him working on his planes. Him talking to his love interests or, you know, his wife and his friends. It's... It's a lot of just kind of slow, moving, building character stuff. And that's not bad. It's just different from what you see in all other Miyazaki movies thus far. So I guess that's why I was like, um, this isn't bad, but it's just not what I was expecting. And it's kind of dull sometimes. Again, the animation's beautiful. And the voice performances I haven't really touched on other than Stanley Tucci's. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt voices Jiro. I had no idea it was him. <laughs> I was kind of like, I feel like his voice is familiar, and I was had to look at the cover. I was like, oh my gosh, that's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That makes so much sense. Um, he does a great job. John Krasinski's in it. He does fine. Um, Emily Blunt, yeah. I just talked about this with Ryan already. I think she does a great job. Her character is so soft-spoken, it's kind of hard to tell it's her for me. I don't know. I had the volume on really low, so that might have been why. Um, but yeah, everybody does a great job in this movie. So I think it's it's a well-rounded movie. It's just not kind of your traditional Miyazaki, if that makes sense. It has adventure elements in it, but they're fewer and farther between than what you see in basically anything else, like Nausicaa or Ponyo or even My Neighbor Totoro like there are a lot of fantastical elements going on in those other movies and in this one it's like true to life you have the dream sequences but there's not very many of them and other than like the dynamic animation um which again looks beautiful um this doesn't really feel like a Miyazaki movie and again it's probably because this is the only one that is based on a true story or true stories or true events or what have you. So I don't know how I feel about it. It's, I, I only saw it once. So maybe if I saw it a couple of different times, I would be like, Oh, it's great. Or, Oh, it's bad. But it's just kind of complicated <laughs> to talk about some, um, but again, not a bad movie, just different from everything else of his. So I'm going to give the Wind Rises, a B. Again, taking everything into account, I mean, great voice performances, beautiful animation, the story, eh, that's, that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast, um, but it's a fine story, and I think Jiro is a really compelling character, but again, you just, it's so different from everything else. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give it a B. Um, Next time, I will probably cover the Castle of Cagliostro, since that's the one I haven't seen yet. 
although it's not at the library, so I'm going to have to figure out some other way to watch it. But, side note, support your local library. They have cool stuff there. So, I will talk to you all next time with the Castle of Cagliostro, probably. Bye! So, The Wind Rises, yeah, is a different type of animation film because it's a true story. But it's beautifully animated, and Emily Blunt is in it, so it already gets an extra point for me. Oh, yeah. It's well done. I haven't seen it. Check it out. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool. It's, I, you know, the one thing I like about Miyazaki films is I think they're animated so beautifully. So even if they're not as... If people don't believe they're as good as the other ones, they're still great to look at because uh, the animation style... Makes me long for the days of hand-drawn animation. I really miss it. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, thanks, Corinne, as always. Remember, you can check out her article, Showtime, on realnerdspodcast.com. Yeah. Sandwich in between probably, I'm going to guess, the Pulitzer Prize winning um, articles I'm writing about the family guy. So I'm sure that's coming down the line. A webby. The family guy. Yep. <laughs> the family guy. <laughs> that's that's what we uh, high class calls family guy. Mm. The familias guyus. <laughs> Just like The Simpsons. Yes. Yeah. There's some pretty cool Blu-rays coming out uh, to purchase this week. In a segment we like to share with you in stuff you might want to buy. DVD releases and Blu-rays. In a segment we call <laughs> Open Up Your Damn Wallet. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up and take Break money. money. <laughs> um... Well, you can keep Captain Marvel on 4K, Blu-ray, and Steelbook. What? A female superhero? <laughs> That's oh. impossible. Wait, Brad, why'd you let a troll in here? <laughs> Get out, you troll. You want a female superhero? <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of sounded weirdly like a Ferengi. That's weird. Um... Uh, anyway, um, also, though, you can get a steelbook of Ghostbusters 1 and 2. 4K. I did. 4K, yeah. Oh, did you? Did you yeah. get it? No, I Oh, I pre-ordered it. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, you already got it. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, something like, I love you the bought it early, they shipped it, but yeah. I like the steel case on it. It looks cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, 13 Hours, the Krasinski Benghazi movies on 4K. Okay. I feel like um, I should watch that movie again. I haven't seen it, so. Me neither. That's good. Um, Criterion Collection, though, is putting out Swing Time. Oh, yeah, I have that coming. Yeah, George Stevens. I, fi- I forgot I pre-ordered that until it showed up as a charge on my account. I'm like, what the fuck? Just go ahead and keep forgetting you got it, and I'll steal the package from your uh, from, from your house. It'll be fun. Uh, well, it's in a P.O. box, so good luck. Don't! <laughs> um, also, uh, Johnny, Cle- Johnny Quest, the complete series, uh, yeah. coming to Blu-ray. Warner Archive. Um, yeah, Warner Archive. Uh, Warner Archive uh, has a lot of stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks too. Um, you should support Warner Archive. I, I've said this before, but they make movies that and TV shows and cartoons that are made on demand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, support them when they get things like Porky Pig or Johnny Quest. Yeah, um, I was I kind of was teasing up to it, but next week they're putting out Volume Two of Popeye on Blu-ray. And I, you know, I I, I think I sent you the article. I don't know if I did, but the Popeye sold really well. Yeah. So that's why they're making a Volume Two. So continue to buy these because I, I really want to continue to get these on Blu-ray, and that's why um, I'm hoping because they did Celebrating Mickey this year. I really hope they do like a Donald Duck one this year. 
Ooh, I mean, they only put, nice. I think, 15 cartoons on Mickey, but I loved it. I love seeing them in HD. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you go to their streaming service, I'm sure they'll have all the cartoons there you want. I don't want them on streaming. I want to own them, and I want them in true HD. It doesn't matter. Bob Iger doesn't care what you want. <laughs> you <he'll laughs> fucking care. <laughs> this is okay. It's okay. As Disney's niece or something has explained, he's full of money. Um, uh, Shout has a, and Scream Factory, for that matter, have a lot of stuff coming out. Uh, Scream Factory has a steelbook of Piranha, and that's it's actually a cool uh, steelbook. I love it. I really want it. And I didn't get the original Corman Classics version oh. on DVD or anything. Uh, yeah, I own that one. I think that's a new 2K scan too. I went to, when that came out. Joe Dante and Roger Corman were at San Diego Comic Con signing copies of it, and it was the last Comic Con I'd went to. I went to go meet Roger Corman. And for some reason, I didn't want to meet Joe Dante that day, but I turned around and said, like, by the way, I love all your work. And he just handed me a piece of paper and said, this will get you 15% off Piranha. <laughs> I didn't go back to get it. I feel so idiotic to not do that. Wait, his signature is worth 15% off of his own movie? He, I guess he wrote it on one of their, like, ads or something mm. like that. So that was, like, their signifier of, like, yeah, Joe Dante gave another discount to somebody. Um, uh, but also, Barbara Hershey and the Entity. Mm. That's a... Uh, interesting film yeah yeah um also though a little bit more fun peter cushing in frankenstein created woman i actually own that on the hammer collection thing that you got so it's no it's it's a different release um i forget who put it out and has a couple special features it's a okay movie yeah it's a it's a hammer film yeah only always a fun time uh, Shout Select, though, is putting out Jeffrey, which is a movie with Stephen Weber, Patrick Stewart, and Sigourney Weaver that I have no idea about at all whatsoever. Um, but, hey, you know, might be fun to take a look at. Um, another re- new release, though, Captive State, which none of us saw, right? Nope. Okay. Um, <laughs> moving on, then. Uh, and then doesn't seem like there's much else. Oh, Shout Factory putting out Can't Stop the Music, which is the... Uh, village people biopic that is allegedly garbage. How this get made? Watched it. That's a while back. Yeah, I believe. I, yeah, that was Pete Holmes was on that one. Oh God, and they made it sound like a, like. How do you remember a, this stuff? Like, I what? How do you remember it? <laughs> no, how do you remember it? Like our episodes, the guests on other people's episodes. It just blows my mind. Oh, I I know where Pete Holmes has been before he clearly did stalking him. Yeah, clearly. Uh. But anyway, and uh, oh, there's a steelbook of Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping apparently being released. What? Yeah. Check it out. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest movie title wow. of all time that's Pop Star damn, Never Stop. It's a badass cover. Hmm. Um, Is it 4K? Um, I'm looking, I'm looking. No, it's Shout Factory putting it out. So oh. it's just going to be a Blu ray, but that's pretty fucking cool if they're doing that. Never stop, never stopping. Yeah. Speaking of steelbooks, they announced today that um, the Iron Man steelbooks, mm-hmm. the 4K versions, are coming out when Avengers Endgame drops. <sighs> Same then, day? Yeah. Or no, Endgame's like the week before, Ugh. so it doesn't help that much. But then <laughs> Thor comes out the, the next month, the following month, September, I guess. So. Um, yeah, and then that's Blu-rays. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so... You have, just depress I, him? I have to tell you a story. You're going to have to buy them, Here's bury them story. in your backyard. Tell us about a rabbit, Mr. Ryan. So I, I um, that quote. I've been so busy with work and Comic-Con that um, usually I'm pretty much on my game with like Blu-ray releases and stuff that cool that comes out. Yeah, you've so, got your finger on the pulse. Yeah, I, I like to think so. So I went to get 
oh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus Batman. Mm. And while I'm there, I'm seeing new 4K steelbooks for Toy Story that are fucking charming. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. I'm surprised there were some in the store because online Me they were too. sold out on Monday. So I'm like, oh, well, guess I'm getting these. <laughs> Here's my Best Buy credit card. Don't fuck me. Oh, you me got them, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're just too, like, cute. So I originally was just going to get Toy Story 3 because it's my favorite one. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh, it's so cute. It's like Woody and, you know, Buzz and, like, little, like, pastel color in a box. And then I look at the orange for Toy Story 2. I'm like, oh, that one's pretty cool, too. And then I look at the blue one and it's Toy Story. I'm like, oh, it's like the crane. <laughs> just like Winnie the Pooh. I just hope they can continue that style for four. When Isn't it that out. cool? Like it's. Yeah. I mean, they look so cool. Kind of remind me of Principal Skinner when he looks at Ralph's science project and it's just Star Wars figurines, and he's like, "Han, Chewie, they're all here." <laughs> I avoided getting them just because I'm such a completist. Like I know they'll never make a Black Cauldron steel book <laughs> or uh, a Re- Rescuers think... Down Under steel book. Because well, no, I mean the the only thing I could say is they might show up. Uh, not Rescuers Down Under is already on Blu-ray. Like Black Cauldron Blu-ray might show up in the Disney Movie Club. Yeah, possibly. but Steelbook? No. Yeah, I mean that'll never be a Steelbook. Exactly. No, but they nobody will, likes but, that movie. But they might do a Blu-ray of it. You know, I mean, hey, they'll never do a Steelbook of my favorite Disney movie, Fun and Fancy Free. They'll just never do it. Yeah, they probably won't do Oliver and Company either. Yeah. Or a, well, I can't imagine them even doing like Robin Hood or something. Actually, no, maybe mm, not Ick about Mister Toad. No, I can maybe stick to the. Like I think the, the big franchise yeah. things because, you know, yeah, it's, there's going to. Yeah. Saludos, amigos. Unless they're going to put on the Walt Disney signature collection, but I don't, I think those ones are really reserved for the early films and then the big ones like Lion King and Aladdin yeah. and stuff. They're doing Cinderella again as a steelbook, yeah. but it's not 4K. No. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't see anything on that one where it made me want to get like double dip on it. I don't, I only double, I double dipped on. Snow White and Bambi because I liked the cover art more. Um, and I got them for one penny when I joined the Disney Movie Club. I feel compelled to go to Bob Higer's house now and be like, stop taking my friend's money. <laughs> so, yeah, as much as the Toy Story still books were cool, I was just like, you know, the fourth one's coming out. There's no guarantee it's going to be the same. and It probably won't be. Yeah. So I was like, I, I'll just save some money and I'll wait. Ah, so you put it on your credit card and have to pay for it for... <laughs> I'm just... I'm this close to paying off all my Best Buy cards. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I know. I, I, and I got to buy I, Captain Marvel and... Uh, what's the other one this week? Uh, Ghostbusters. So, so. No, I was... <laughs> I have not used it probably in six or seven months. And I was like, you know, I haven't used it and I get 5% cash back. And these look really cool. <laughs> I'm like convincing myself while I'm in the store. Yeah. I was like, whatever. Fuck it. Who cares? I know. Yeah. I want to get the Little Mermaid one too, and I just had to like pass yeah. it up because I was like, "This is a slippery slope to yep, dangerous." Yeah. So yeah, because so, what thirty six mm- movies? Oh yeah. So my yeah, you know, seventeen dollar trip to Best Buy ended up being a hundred dollars. That's all right. You know what? Now I have Toy Story in HD. The and kid really- doesn't need to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I already set up a college invest thing for him. Mm. Um, there you go. So, but yeah. What about your next kid? <laughs> Won't be my favorite. <laughs> you heard you heard that? Ryan's second kid? Yeah. Ten twenty years in the future. Twenty years in the future, a kid opens all these up like, Wow, I didn't know my dad did a podcast. I wonder what he talked about. I mean, he died saving someone's life. <laughs> episode three hundred ninety nine Dark Phoenix, my favorite X Men movie. Yeah, this is perhaps the the episode where he finally tells me he loves me. 
Kellen's like, see, I told you. <laughs> Daddy, I got an A on my test. Yeah, big deal. <laughs> I don't know how you smoke now and have like a devil voice. What are you putting out? I was going to be like, why are you throwing cigarettes at the kid? Yeah, Ryan hated smoking. <laughs> I do. Isn't that weird? If I took it up just so I could have that one moment with my unborn, unnamed child. <laughs> now the police want... officer in Idaho Springs really takes it out of you. <laughs> now in that dark future, I want to come up to you having not smoked at all for 15 years. Be like, Ryan, you've got to give it up. Shut up. <laughs> Throw a beer bottle at me. Get out of here. <laughs> no one wants to hear from yes. <laughs> Get out of here with your Jack Benny. <laughs> um, just be like Pete. No one wants to hear from you. <laughs> Gorsh. That's like old school Pete. <laughs> oh, without your dog. I can't do it, but you know which one I'm talking about where he's on the train and he's trying to hide Pluto in it? Yep. No, the plane, the train. Sorry, yeah. Anyway, that was Blu-rays. Sweet. Movie news. It's real news. Um... I'm going to ask you guys to explain this to me because I, I saw it and I have no idea what the fuck it is. Keanu Reeves is in a video game called Cyberpunk 2077. Whoa. Like, they, I'm digital. <laughs> and they announced it. He's at, literally in the Matrix. Yeah. It, Was so, he in the Matrix games when they came out? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I forgot those games no, existed. Enter the Matrix. He wasn't because it was just Jada Pinkett Smith and the guy who is played. Is she still alive? Yeah, she's still alive. Wait, what is wondering. that supposed to reference it? Uh, but then they did a game called The Path of Neo years later when, uh, when by the time it was too late and nobody cared. Whoa, I'm like in another video game. Uh, but yeah, apparently this game will hit PS4, Xbox, and Windows PC on April 16th, 2020. Um, wow. It's a far way out. That's going to get pushed again to the new PS5 and the Probably. Xbox, the other one. It says it's unclear what Reeves' role in the video game is, with fans theorizing he could be any seminal character from in Cyberpunk's lore, including the rocker hero Johnny Silverhand. Um, I, I don't know That's what any of a horrible is. name. Turns out he's just on the cover, like a Madden cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with these dorky names? There's a video game for the PlayStation called Days Gone, and the lead character's name is Deacon St. John. <laughs> That's a horrible name. Sounds like a porn name. Totally. But if, if any of our and listeners... And they're trying too hard to be cool. If any of our listeners know what cyberpunk uh, is in terms of the video it's game... It's an open world video game. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I, I I don't know that much about it because it didn't tickle my fancy. I mean, so... Okay. I'm, I'm, more, so ex- I'm, I'm more excited for Super Mario Maker 2. <laughs> yeah, I'm so out of the loop on video games anymore. Yeah. But anyway... Um, we got a trailer from Three from Hell. Uh, that's not, that wasn't even a trailer. I know. That's, it's like, that's here's their pictures. Just, and that, Zombie was teasing and saying, get ready, here it comes. And it literally flashes that he made a thousand corpses, made Devil's Rejects. Here's Three from Hell, which now here's his wife. Here's Captain Spaulding. And here's the other dude. Uh, Otis Driftwood. Excuse me. No. <laughs> um, I, I, I like the first two, obviously. I, I'm down for this one. I don't mind that I don't see a lot of footage because I kind of want to be surprised by this particular one because I didn't expect them to continue this fucking well, yeah, franchise. Well, yeah, because they got murdered at the end of the second one. That's the implication, but I guess now is Spoilers just, for yeah. a movie that's 12 years old. Yeah, so but I now I guess the Three from Hell, their version is that they survived that hail of gunfire somehow. Yeah, um, so make a job for his wife so wh- he can support her. Wh- <laughs> oh, wow. Shots fired at Rob Zombie. Um, but I, you know, I... I'm interested to see what he does. I always think that, you know, even the 
even the films of his I don't necessarily love, like I'll I have revisited and they're like, well, it's interesting to look at. Um, I honestly think 31's the worst. Yeah, it's garbage. And that's like I think he's openly admitted that he doesn't really care for it that much anymore. But uh, at any rate, the teaser doesn't bother me so much in the sense that. I guess so many years later, if not everybody's familiar with those first two, you do kind of have to prime them. But I'm hoping that we get a better trailer later on. I mean, it is a teaser, so we did see some footage. But anyway, if you are looking forward to Three from Hell, you can check that out. I'd much rather watch. There's a great uh, clip of Tom Holland interviewing Chris Hemsworth. It's hilarious. Speaking of Tom Holland, we're getting that Uncharted movie. Hell yeah. Uh, from Sony. Uh, it's going to be releasing in 2020. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious. I mean, James is currently on assignment with having to raise a kid. But I think that um, I would love to know what he thinks of Tom Holland being in this whole affair. So I don't I remember. I don't know if he was discussed. He was. So he was. like they're finally announcing, like, I guess, a release date for it. Oh, okay. But um, I didn't know that Tom Holland was in discussion. Yeah. So that's why I'm confused. Yeah. He was announced a while ago. Okay, um, right on. So that means that um, David O. Russell's version isn't going to go through after all. <laughs> no. Okay. You can uh, rest easy, James. <laughs> there's a, In the Chris Hemsworth, Tom Holland interview, it's hilarious. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, he says, a lot of the smartest people in the world watch the new Men in Black, and they said it's the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> like, those are the only people that have seen it. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. You should look it up on YouTube. Tom Holland interviews Chris Hemsworth. Right on. Um, and then Chris Hemsworth asks Tom Holland who his favorite actor is, and he says Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> um, connected to Marvel, uh, we got to look at uh, that Loki series. Um, and it looks like it's taking place in the 70s to start off. Nice. Um, there's a shot of Loki uh, walking through. Well, they confirmed that he made another timeline when he took the Tesseract. Right. So. But this particular frame grab from the conference with Kevin Feige uh, in front of it shows him looking like he's walking past what appears to be Times Square. And there's a Jaws uh, advertisement in the nice. background. So. So, yeah, it should be interesting to see how the Loki uh, uh, yep. series comes I up. I will be getting Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move into some TV news. Um, Corinne, I'm sad to inform you that The Good Place will no longer be a place at all. Uh, apparently, season four will be the final season of The Good Place. Yeah, we talked about this. I think it's okay if you have a plan and you don't want to overstay your welcome, mm -hmm. I think, sometimes on TV. And I think uh, a great example of this is the office where the office was still entertaining but when they lost steve carell it lost a lot of its heart mm -hmm. and it wasn't quite as good and andy was a horrible character so um, i think they're i think people are learning how to limit themselves and not just like print out money every five like for for 10 seasons you know mm -hmm. like i mean like i don't watch the big bang theory and i would be curious to know what people thought of it lasting as long as it did um, it depends on the show. Like I, f I feel like sitcoms like that. There's they're episodic. Yeah, so they should they can yeah. go on, but these other like miniseries type shows where there's that. And I think the Good Place's concept is so unique that I mean, eventually you're gonna run out of ideas. Mm -hmm. So it works. Like I mean, I, Friends went on for ten seasons, and I'm down with that. Yeah, Modern Family. Um, there was another cancellation, and I can't remember if we talked about this last week, but Swamp Thing got canceled after just dropping. Yeah, and then apparently the one of the financial reasons is that they lost out on a tax rebate when they were in the place where they were filming. Yeah, so basically they filed like something in the paperwork. 
didn't gel correctly, and so they lost out on like half the budget of that show. Yeah. So that's why they're canceling. Hey, it where's Warner Brothers going to find more money? I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like uh, Warner Brothers is making a all-encompassing streaming service, so they might yeah. be dissolving universe and rolling it sounds it in. like it is. Yeah. Yeah. So th- otherwise, they probably would have committed to the budget. But where there is death, guys, there is life. NBC is going to do a Robert Langdon TV show, and this is a, only of interest to me. Um, I'm the only uh, fan of this particular character and his nonsensical series of adventures yep. through history. Uh, this is the plot. still going to be a fan if it's not Tom Hanks? Because it probably won't be Tom Hanks. I will get to that in a second, but I want to read the plot of this. Langdon follows the early adventures of famed Harvard symbologist Robert Langdon, who finds himself pulled into a series of deadly puzzles. <laughs> I didn't know that that was one sentence. I thought it's like, Langdon follows the adventures of Robert Langdon. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, I was confused by it too, and I'm like, there's no comma here. What the fuck's going on? Um, he's pulled into a series of deadly puzzles when his mentor is kidnapped. Yeah, watching the, Jones. the CIA forces him into a task force where he uncovers a chilling conspiracy. Um, I, 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 I don't know how I feel about this because he's not just solving history shit. Um, but, um, and I don't care who plays him, but I liked that Tom Hanks played him. So I don't know. I'm probably not going to watch this show cause I have a hard time watching television anyway, but you know, it's interesting to know that they're trying to figure out something to do with this. I, I want a fourth film, but I'm not going to get that because I'm the only one who's going to go. So, uh, you know, it's interesting anyway, moving on from news that's not related to my interests, uh, Warner Brothers isn't coming to San Diego Comic-Con, but Patty Jenkins really wanted to share some shit with us. So we got a really cool poster for Wonder Woman 1984, which I didn't know Wonder Woman had a costume like this. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Is it a a comics thing? I have no idea. Yeah, it's from the comics. I mean, I I don't know that much about it, but that's what I read. And, you know, it's probably from part of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think she's wearing it the whole time. It's pretty cool looking. Kevin Smith said there's also a picture of her with, like, Linda Carter's costume. That'd be sweet. Ooh. So uh, there's definitely some Gal Gadot. 70s, 80s throwback stuff in there. Yeah. It's cool. I can't wait to see, like, actual footage. I really like the first Wonder Woman. I think it's number seven on my film explosion list from that year. We'll have to go back to the archives. You, the listeners, go back to that film explosion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <on my phone. laughs> um, two more pieces of news. Uh, Bill and Ted 3 is underway filming, and they've cast Bill and Ted's daughters, uh, Samara Weaving and uh, Bridget Lundy Payne. Uh, will be playing Bill and Ted's daughters, and Bill and Ted have named their daughters after each other because they're best friends, and it's awesome. And I can't wait for this movie. So the daughters are also, I guess, Ted and Bill. Well, it's like the the the, the gal equivalent of that um, uh, equation. It's I, I had the names pulled up. It'd be funnier if they were still named Ted and Bill. <laughs> it would be. Oh, I I know. <laughs> um, or Theodore and William. I don't know what the f- Th- one is. Thea. I know that. Ah. Um. But um. But yeah, no, it's um, it's gonna be fun. This movie's gonna be awesome, and you know, maybe some historical figures will make some cameos. Uh, and the last thing is uh, Blumhouse is making a Magic Eight Ball movie, and I'm just gonna assume Blumhouse knows what it's doing because they've already made a bunch of fucking movies that I love. Um, so yeah, get ready for me to uh, rave about Magic Eight Ball. I think Shazam was a pretty good Magic Eight Ball movie. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> nice poll. Blumhouse listens to this podcast like shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
they do listen to this podcast. Someone listens to it. Yeah. You know how we know? Because we, we made up the title for The Collector 3. I honestly cannot. That actually blew my mind. I, I went, wait, what? I literally mentioned that title five days ago. I can predict the future. I'm guessing they already had it. Made, but so Blumhouse, send your check to PO Box two eight zero one nine one. Yeah, please. Thank you. I yeah. will take that. I don't need any money. I just want all the copies of anything you've got, um, so then I can have them in my collection. That'd be nice. Anyway, he show up his DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Cut to me with a picture of Jason Blum, and I'm just throwing darts at it. I'm like fucking asshole. <laughs> Zach's the worst person to give a, a genie lamp to. <laughs> He's not specific enough. No, mine's a monkey paw. Like, it'll grant my wish, but in the most ironic way. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Any any Simpsons fans out there? Yep. I like one of their wishes to be rich and famous, and they, like, burn out on a Calypso album. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, that's news. We watch films throughout the week, and we're going to tell you about them. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Zach, what'd you watch this week? Um, Star Trek. Great. Uh, yeah. Hey, some of us like Star Trek. Yeah, uh, exactly. I, the most important person in the room does. <laughs> it's the movie ones this week, so you, 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 you No, he posted a lot of shit. Do you watch, you watch more than just the movie, I right? finished. I finished the last five episodes of season seven, so yeah, I got a little see. snap happy with the pictures. Uh, no, I, I know fin- what you do. I yeah. finished up Star Trek The Next Generation, and uh, oh, this show's okay. Uh, I mean, it's, it's totally okay. I mean, you know, I mean, it doesn't really need a, a reboot years later. Um, yeah, no, I I enjoyed finishing it up uh, finally, and I, I I still love all good things. Like I loved it the first time I saw it, um, but this one in particular, I was able to really kind of just appreciate all the character moments that I had missed from episodes that I wasn't paying attention to years ago, and um, a lot of stuff leading up to Ensign Rowe. I like how they wrapped up Ensign Rowe. Um, that was a really nice character turn for her. Um, uh, or I should say now Lieutenant Rowe. But not any rank anymore because she defected. Um, and then um, Worf's time traveling son was one I had completely forgotten about. Um, uh, but it was a touching moment near the end of the episode because I kept wondering. Like I was like, I don't remember where the fuck this goes. And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got to talk to his son and then give him a hug. Um, but yeah, no. So um, uh, all good things was wonderful. I did John Delancey still at his finest. Um, Part of me hopes that we can get a little bit of Delancey in uh, this Picard show. Um, now that I've revisited everything, I'm just like Delancey's been my favorite part of this revisit. Um, and then uh, that led me into the next gen movies. So I watched Generations, which I still love. I still think it's pretty awesome. Uh, I think it's ambitious to not use a lot of score in that film. There's like very little score in that uh, film, uh, particularly when they're on the planet where uh, Malcolm McDowell's got his little machine to grab the Nexus uh, mm-hmm. towards him. The fight scenes between Picard and him, like there's no score underneath it. Yeah. So it's almost, it, it feels really raw and it's like different. And it's it took me away from it like the first time I saw it, but I've kind of grown accustomed to it. But I noticed it again and I'm like, this is I weird. think it's because uh, they reshot that whole sequence. Probably. Because I mean, the whole Kirk fight ended differently. I saw, a f- I watched a bonus feature with Dennis McCarthy talking about doing the score for it and he didn't mention anything about it. So, Yeah. They might have changed the last minute, and they couldn't rescore it. So in yeah. time, uh, but yeah, and I and I like Shatner in it, um, and Data with the emotion chip. That is is great Brent Spiner <laughs> performance and whatnot. Uh, and then I watched First Contact. Uh, First Contact's a fucking perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the only Star Trek horror movie we'll ever get, um, and it's pretty fucking beautiful in that respect. Um, 
And uh, I forgot that Cromwell. Picard's a badass in that movie. I forgot that Zephram Cochran's in the original series. I, Many I, times. It took, it, it, no, no, but it took me in this viewing because I hadn't watched oh, the TOS for a year. And I remember that episode because he's on the planet alone. And I, watching this, I'm like, oh, yeah, they brought back that character and reshaped him for that one. And he's also at the beginning of Enterprise from what I like from the portions that I've seen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like he's great in that fucking movie. Yeah, I like, think in next gen in like the first season, there's like a non what's his name? Is that from Cochran? Yeah, it's 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 a different person. Different actor. Yeah. Yeah. But like they, but they they have fun using his character a lot. Um and then, um, yeah, and just it's, it's the Borg, the the data and the Borg Queen, and that whole like seduction like stuff is just it's it's stuff in got Star you Trek. Hot. That, I know. No, he got me. Yeah, I got <laughs> I got a boner after you would believe me. Um, but no, um, yeah, just just a fun time watching it. And for for a first time director, John Frakes, like all the confidence in the fucking world. I think he directed some of the season seven episodes. So. Well, he had, yeah, but he also and he directed stuff even before season seven, but like feature yeah. film, like you know, you're given yeah. a big budget by Paramount to do a Star Trek movie, which is a flagship franchise for them. Yeah, um, Insurrection, I liked it way more this time. Hmm. I liked it a lot. Um, it's not perfect, and I still giggle way too much at the scene where uh, Picard is trying to get Data to stop, and so he starts singing Gilbert and Sullivan, and it's. Beautifully cut together and hilarious, but it doesn't belong there. Um, and uh, but I liked the sto- the whole story, the idea of trying to like you know move people like out of their homes and whatnot, and just like this. It's 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 weirdly like relevant today um, until the twist where it turns out that they're part of the population anyway, and F. Murray Mab- Abraham is uh, like blown up by that satellite. But like, I never trust that guy. He killed Mozart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who's that from? Last action hero. That's right. <laughs> Mo who? Zot. Zot. I kill a lot of guys. <laughs> um, although I, I, I like the design of his alien, though. But I don't think he's necessarily the most compelling villain I've ever seen in the world. But he's not. He's not terrible either. I think that movie gets a weird bad rap for whatever reason um it, it had problems on set yeah but it's I mean, overall though as a final product it's fine i mean i had fun with it i liked data trying to gain the kids trust and then ended up learning how to play at the end that was fun and then i watched nemesis and uh yeah it's no star trek six no it's not not it's the just, best way for those characters to go out well the thing is it wasn't supposed to be they, they Stuart baird the director of this film was very confident that there'd be more and then you watch that RTV scene, and I'm like, how are you confident? Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I don't think the story's bad. I just think that it's directed weird. Like, it's like, I, it it refuses to focus on anybody but Picard and Tom Hardy. Like, it refuses to acknowledge that anybody else exists. Yep. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, Data, too. Data is focused in there, and he gives a Wrath of Khan-esque death. Like I, it's not unwatchable, and it's interesting to see it uh, see a super dark Star Trek movie. Like that scene with Troy and uh, Riker in their like like having sex in their quarters, and then the guy entering his mind via Tom Hardy is creepy. It's creepy, and I love the moment where she gets back and was like, "Remember me?" Like it's I I like that that revenge aspect for that, but it's so weird to see in a Star Trek movie, and I had I. 
I had tuned like or I had shut out a lot of memories of Nemesis and they were flowing back as soon as that ATV thing kicked in. I'm like, oh, that's right. This this has no idea what it wants to be. Yeah, I think it's another one of those things where they felt like, oh, you know, these work when there's a compelling villain. Mm-hmm. Um, when Star Trek really works when it's about callbacks and like story ideas. Yeah. So that they like, figured like, I think the writer said, "What's the best villain you know Picard can face himself?" <sighs> so, but I like the idea, like initial idea of how do how do you bridge into peace with the Romulans. Um, and it coming out of this kind of political coup, I just, I just wish that it was done differently. That's all. It, the, the idea is there. Yeah. The idea is definitely there. Um, I will say though, I liked when B, I, 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 I didn't remember this moment, but like, I liked when B4 started singing the, um, song or like whistling the tune, like with at the end. And that's how you know that he's got data's memories. I just remembered that he's probably going to be coming back as data. But I liked the moment and the way it's edited together. It's almost as if the director is a very good editor and should stick to stick to a really good job that he does well. Uh, anyway, I don't mean to be a, an asshole about it. It's just that well, movie it's too late. That movie befuddled me. Yeah, I mean, again, what I mean, Stuart Barrett's probably got tons of money. He doesn't need to worry about me. Um, and then uh, I did a fitness cinema session on James's favorite film, E.T. The Extraterrestrial. Uh, I hadn't watched it in years, like, and especially have not watched it since you guys and I started recording. Is this the walkie-talkie version? No, this is not. This is the straight-up gun version, which I was very happy because I was like, this is how I'm going to know. Because um, I guess that version is actually also two hours and not – like, so it's like six more minutes than the original version. Um, but, yeah, I, I've i never really particularly been fond of E.T., not because of James's silly reasons, but because – one the the government scene uh, where Elliot and the and ET are um, uh, being like kind of examined by each other and he's like screaming in pain that always creeped me out as a kid, but then when I would watch it later I'm just like oh, I can't believe this beat the thing at the box office again because Zach was a cynical douchebag back in the day, um, and now like I was on that treadmill and I had to hold myself from crying because that thing is touching a shit et is an amazing film it is you know but again zach was a cynical dumb shit back in the day um so but yeah and it's funny as all fuck um and what is all fuck all fuck (laughs) is all the fucks (laughs) it's funny as all fuck Uh, all the fucks how do you quantify the yeah how do you quantify (laughs) the fucks i'm not a fucking mathematician on the fucks (laughs) um all right uh but i did not remember this and this is why i texted you this ryan uh, Peter Coyote plays Keys, the mm-hmm. quote unquote villain. He's, he's not really a villain. He's just he's trying to do his job, and unfortunately, it happens to be in direct contrast to what Elliot wants. Um, but Peter Coyote is also the guy who narrates all of Ken Burns' movies. So I'm just like, no, that's not him. He's not, he's not narrating any old timey footage. Like that doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Um, but um, and Dee Wallace is great in this film. Dee Wallace is a great actor. I have a hard time deciding if I like her in this more or Cujo. I think Cujo's great. With her for her performance, um, the dog is weird, but I like her performance in Cujo. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, she was know. Andy's mom in the office. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Shit. Um, but yeah, and then um, I also did Who Framed Roger Rabbit at the gym, and that one was fucking fun. And that was the first time that I've been in that gym doing those sessions where people were was laughing. It fun as all the fucks. It was fun as all the fucks. All right. 
It was silly as all the fucks. It was all the fucks. Did you run really fast like a cartoon while you're watching it? <laughs> I actually hit, I, I hit another four miles in an hour trick. So yeah, I was running pretty stupidly. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, it's still great. I like, I like getting able to watch it on the biggest screen possible. Cause it always feels a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I, um, and then I saw Miss Congeniality at the gym, which I hadn't watched in fucking forever. Um, Movie's okay. Movie sucks. I think it's fine. Nope. Yeah, I think it's fine. Nope. It's totally fine. Um, and I, when I posted, wait the, a minute, she's a hard knock FBI agent, but now she has to be pretty. What is she gonna do? I I understand why that's that part of it's dumb, but there's enough good stuff about nope. it to make up for that silly premise. Nope. Um, it's not it's not great. Uh, there are certain things I wish it didn't do. Like in the respect of just the way we've come as a society, um, but Michael Caine's funny in it. Shatner's pretty funny in it. Uh, Candace Bergen just kind of sits there and does nothing, uh, and Bullock's fine. Like she's wonderful in it, um, and Benjamin Bratt's in it. And that's when I realized, like, oh yeah, we as a society decided not to use Benjamin Bratt in things anymore. Um, he was just in some superhero thing, was he? What was it? I'm gonna uh, feel dumb when you tell me. How was it? Like he had some kind of spine replacement, and then oh, Logan? No, no. Uh, <laughs> Doc Strange, Doctor Strange. Yeah, mm. that's right. Yeah, he's the guy who tells him where to go. That's right. Yeah, oh, and he's Coco. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, he's great in Coco. That's right. Never mind. Never mind. We didn't give up yeah, on Benjamin. Shit on his career. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. Fuck me, running right. Yeah. Do um, your research. But anyway, yeah. All told, though, those are great movies to work out to. Um you want you can check out um different stats that i put up on my instagram for that um and then i uh did some hitchcock flicks i watched uh psycho again still a great film um i watched it after re-watching the hitchcock biopic uh by uh sasha Gervarzi with anthony hopkins and helen mirren and that movie keeps getting better every time i watch it helen <laughs> mirren is fucking great in it really you don't like that movie no why not uh it's okay. Yeah, I was going to be like, it's not bad at all. He hates Helen... the Hitch, but he likes the cock. <laughs> That's a line in that movie. Call me Hitch, hold the cock. Uh, Helen Mirren's still great in that fucking movie. Um, and then the last thing I watched was uh, The Trouble with Harry, which is a Hitchcock flick. I hadn't watched it in a while. Ryan, have you seen this one? Nope. Uh, Trouble with Harry is about uh, a dead body lying in the middle of a hill <laughs> in Vermont. That's discovered by multiple people in the small town and they keep burying him, digging him up and burying him again throughout the course of the day because they can't figure out who did it, why they would do it and how they can get rid of the problem. And it's a pretty fun film for a 1950s black comedy. Um, and it's the first Shirley MacLaine movie. This is this is where she makes her entrance into the movie world um, and uh, also has John Forsyth and. Um, Jerry Mathers playing the little kid that first discovers the body and everybody's great in it. It's, it's a, it's not really a traditional Hitchcock flick. It's very much a comedy. It's basically a film filled with all the stuff that Hitchcock finds funny. And then the rest of it is just a pretty standard film. But I think it's a film that's worth revisiting and discovering if you like Hitchcock. So anyway, that's all I watched this week. When you're on the job and you find a dead body, do you laugh like Peter Griffin too? No. Brad, what'd you watch this week? <laughs> I'm gonna picture it anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
so I bought uh, Batman and Batman Returns in 4K. Oh, oh yeah. And they look amazing. I heard, uh, was it Blu-ray.com said uh, some people might be turned off on Batman because it's so uh, better presented now that you see colors you never saw before. So it takes away from the darkness of it. I mean, they gave it a five out of five. Yeah. But I'm just curious, did you think it took away from it or did it add to it? Uh, they said it added to it. I don't. I'd say it adds or subtraction. It's just different. Like mm. it's cool. Because growing up with like a less saturated version of the yeah. colors, like it felt like it. That's what it was supposed to be. Sure. So seeing this, like, okay, so yeah, it's more true to what they shot on set. Um, so I put in the old Blu-ray just to kind of, you know, make sure I wasn't sure. crazy. And actually, the Blu-ray, like the Joker, is like the face. Uh, color is actually gray like it's off white mm. but it never seems like that because there was nothing else to compare it to mm. now in here it's pure white yeah um, th- th- there's an interesting you should read the review of it it's really fascinating yeah and obviously you see a lot more of the like practical effects mm-hmm. um like all the details like that stand out in the background that you never noticed before like you can't help but like on the screen when batman is like telling vicky like he's solved the joker's chemicals or whatever mm-hmm. you can actually read the name of the uh like perfume that he's in like oh, wow. like it has a like monsieur de joker label on it wow um like vicky vale's uh like uh vanity like you can see all these different like things i didn't just didn't my eye was never drawn to before um you know they're suddenly like they stand out a lot um is it worth the upgrade i think so um just to see it in such clarity mm. um a film that's you know, normally a lot of stuff is lost in the background because it's so dark. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's all brought out and, like, the edges are so crisp and it's incredible. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't think it would be that much of a jump, but it is. And um, Returns, too. Like, that was already a more polished movie than... Yeah. Because uh, they kind of had it figured out how to make the, those movies by then. Um, and it's just great to see it's so sharp and so clean. Yeah, I just love to see the sets because the set design in those films was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's... It, I listened to the commentaries again too. And, uh, Tim Burton talks about how returns was filmed in Los Angeles, whereas the first one was shot in London. Um, and they were able to do more outside stuff, but because returns is set in the winter and they're shooting it in LA, they pretty much had to do everything in a soundstage. And it definitely feels like that. Cause the Gotham city in that movie is very much the town square with the, yeah. the Christmas tree mm-hmm. and then interiors everywhere else. Yeah. Um, whereas the first Batman, like you could see, yeah. Like, uh, granted, there's like matte painting extensions for Gotham, but it still feels big. Yeah, it has um, it has a personality to it, and everything at the zoo is just models, you know. Mm-hmm. So you can tell, you can definitely tell the scale <laughs> in 4K. Like, it definitely feels like you're looking at models more. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, definitely worth the upgrade. Um, I might at some point get Forever and Robin just to well, maybe have when them. they in September they're releasing them as a set. So maybe in September they'll yeah. Drop I the feel stupid. Though. I should have waited. <laughs> to get the whole box well i looked on amazon the set is like a hundred dollars is it that was like 90 oh maybe they dropped the price again yeah it's still pretty expensive dang but i'm sure like after a while the other two will probably be yeah 15 dollar movies so one of those movies should probably already be 99 cents to begin with but whatever (laughs) um i wonder on 4k though like returned i mean uh forever and Batman and Robin might look pretty cool. Forever is going to blind me with its neon glory. <laughs> There's so, <laughs> so much colors there. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. And with the HDR, and it might look great, pretty good. My eyes, the goggles do nothing. 
<laughs> yeah, and and Batman, there's you know animation like when he's on the cathedral looking down in the first scene, mm-hmm. yeah. like those things stand out. Like you can see where the the animation cell like meets the photograph, <laughs> and it's like kind of poorly, uh, whatever. Well, I mean, they probably didn't know that in thirty years they'd be yeah, you know, doing ten times the clarity. Guys, <laughs> film's gonna be forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see what else I watched. Um. So, Mark Grove, who had a booth next to us at Comic Con this mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. the Mystery Science Theater people, uh, I guess, commentated, live commentated on his movie Star Raiders. They riffed on it. Riffed on it, yeah. Duh. Why didn't I think of that? Riffed on his movie Star Raiders. Mm-hmm. So, I watched that, and that movie's pretty rough. Um, you watch it without the Mystery Science Theater 3000. I watched it with. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, it's even rough with them? I mean, no, no. The co- The... The comments are mostly funny. Mm-hmm. Like it's a tough movie to riff on because it's so bad. Um, although that's not saying much. Like they were terrible movies. He was before. really proud of it too. <laughs> Comic Con. Like, he, he was in the audience. Was he really? I was watching and he was laughing at the stuff. So yeah. Well, have a sense. I think of he humor. knows. Yeah. Um. I'm just trying to remember if there's anything that stood out. Yeah, it, it was just like a sci-fi. Casper uh, Van Dien's in it um, from Starship Troopers. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like it's trying to be its own Star Wars and create its own like world building mythology, but you know, all the CGI is out of like a CD-ROM game from '92. <laughs> um, uh, do you think Casper Van Dien is like I was in that movie or just? So I mean, oh, I'm sure he, yeah. So if he's in SAG, they have to pay him at least the minimum. I guess he's not going to get much more than that. Yeah, no, it's it, the film's got a budget. Like mm. it's not just some local thing. Um. But, you know, a lot of it's shot in the woods and uh, a lot of stuff, like, just happens because it's, like, they're trying to check off a box of, like, sure. stuff we want to do in a movie. Um, yeah, so that was fun. Um, I saw Rocket Man, hmm. uh, the Elton John biopic, and it all, the whole thing kind of boiled down to, for, for me, it boiled down to Elton John needs a hug. <laughs> um because it it kind of seems like a lot of his troubles just stem from his his dad treating him like shit uh, and not hugging him mm. and um uh overall the movie like it's more of a musical than a biopic like Bohemian Rhapsody was like you could see this being No one's going to listen to Queen. <laughs> uh <laughs> you know the 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 structure of the movie is built around like they'll interrupt the story to cut into like, it really shows how iconic all of his songs are. Mm-hmm. Um, so they all get their own like little more surreal presentation, but it's also, they're also really kind of cheesy and goofy. Like right out of the gate. The first one is like, I think in seven or eight year old him, maybe 10 or 11 year old him, uh, singing the bitches back. So it's weird to see like this little kid, <laughs> Uh, English. I'm a bitch, I'm yeah. a bitch, I'm the bitches like, That's goofy. Um, Stone cold sober as a matter of fact. <laughs> I'm a bitch, I'm a bitch, cause I'm better than you. Yeah, I know that song. Yeah. Oh, why'd you stop? And then the whole town, like, you know, comes out of their houses and jumps into, like, La La Land style. Yeah. That's all right. Cool. Seems like it's more fun, though, than Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Because Bohemian Rhapsody felt like I'm just watching, like, check marks. Like, oh, this is when they wrote, we're gonna, we, we will rock you. This is when they wrote, we're the champ, or whatever. Yeah. It just. Yeah. It starts out with him in costume, like in an AA meeting, and then that's kind of like the bookend of the whole thing. Is like he's telling 
his story to in this AA meeting. Hmm. And as he goes through, like he starts out in that like devil costume, and by the end he's shed all of it and like gotten hmm. down to his bare essence or whatever. It's just being like a normal person. Hmm. I should say normal, just non eccentric person. Um, so yeah, it's interesting, like because I don't know what much about his life, but also yeah. the presentation just is cheesy in a lot of places where you're like eye rolling. Mm. Like, oh, that's that's goofy. Is Taron Egerton really good in it? Yeah, he's acting his ass off. Uh, it's just the portrayal, you know. It, like, I could see it. You could adapt it easily to a stage performance because mm. um, all the songs, you know, break into their own thing um, and get creative. But, yeah, over like, it, there's just, like, a cringe factor to some of the things, like, the kids singing. <laughs> like, eh, this isn't as cool as it should be. <laughs> Probably the wrong song for him. So, and they're not like chronological either. Mm. They just kind of apply to certain parts of his life. Mm. Um, like Rocket Man is even isn't even the finale one. Um, and it, it's sad like how much of his life he was like not appreciated. Like his home life sucked, and yeah, um, he, just, he was used by his manager so much. Mm. Happened a lot back then. Yeah, I mean, it happened to Rod Stewart. He. Rod Stewart was almost broken, I think, in 1983, and he found that his manager was, like, taking money from him, like, hardcore, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then he eventually, I mean, now it doesn't matter, but, I mean, back then, he had to tour, like Elton John did, tour his ass off, because that's the only way they could stay afloat. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, they won in the end, guys. They did. They did. Good job, Elton. And then Batman vs. Ninja Turtles came out. Oh, fuck yeah. Um... Yeah. This is one of my favorite movies of the year, hands down. Uh Yeah, so the 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 story is Batman's investigating um some ninja stuff, like some crime stuff going down. Yeah, crime things are being stolen from places by ninjas. Yeah, and then the turtles are trying to track down the Foot Clan because they came to Gotham with it, Shredder. And it turns out they've teamed up. The Foot Clan has teamed up with the League of Assassins. <laughs> yeah. And the best part is that their plan is to mutate batman's rogues gallery <laughs> yeah um so yeah that combination of the turtles and batman coming together after not trusting each other and like the shredder fight between batman both in the of beginning. Them? i guess yeah both of them <laughs> the, both of them are pretty fucking awesome i guess i've seen this the first one twice now so it just stands out more but yeah. like you know a lot of times in animated action stuff it's just like a couple kicks and punches and people fall over mm-hmm. but they went out of their way to choreograph these fights oh yeah i think all the fights are choreographed really well in this animated film yeah and the shredders it's violent like the shredder oh, throws a yeah. shuriken into his foot soldier's head to Dude, keep him from talking they already like chops dudes heads off and shit yeah, he beheads I'm that like, one I'm guy like, holy shit so uh you know i was gonna get it anyways because it's it's too nostalgic for me not to get it um and i got it and kellen saw me get it and he's asked if we could watch it. I said, yeah, buddy, we can watch it. <laughs> and he fucking loved it. He's watched it three times. Wow. Um, yeah. And so. Is it PG-13 yeah. release? Okay, right on. I mean, he doesn't understand, like, the heads rolling and stuff. No, but... I was I was just genuinely curious because their releases lately have been, like, PG-13 or up. So. Yeah. It, what I really. This is actually one of my favorite movies of the year because it's. I didn't know how it would work um, blending the two because they're not using. Um, comic book turtles they're using nickelodeon turtles and and you have this you know batman's this dark and they they work with it so the batman world is still i don't trust you who are you and uh michelangelo is really funny throughout it because he'll keep on interjecting in really weird spots 
Um, I think Batgirl and Donatello have a really cool connection. Raphael uh, and, and Damien. Yeah. yeah. And uh, even the title cards at the beginning, where it was um, oh. oscillating between the two styles, was so cool. Mm-hmm. And then the credits, where they show like all of yeah. the like, modified covers. Yeah, or the classic Batman covers. covers. Oh, dude. And the Ninja Turtle ones. Yeah. Like, they photoshopped. Yeah, because they did the, the Mouser one. Yeah. That was fucking sweet. Yeah, I... Uh, so there's two more, like, series in the comics of this, so I hope yeah. they adapt both those into... Well, because, well, there is a tag scene. <laughs> Did you watch all the way through the end? I think so. What, what happened? With the Shredder? I was working while I was watching it, so... So at the at the end of the credits? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Joker thing, yeah. Yeah, because that's, like, the Super Shredder from, you know, TMNT2. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, fuck, and now he's the Joker? <laughs> and then they fight, like, you know, when Batman... Like, the... The Scarecrow stuff I thought was actually really effective, too, when Leo was oh, trying to fight it. the Scarecrow and his brothers, and then it actually comes back later in the movie. This movie's lots smarter than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch this now. This um, sounds fun. Oh, yeah. you should. Uh, it's, it's the I, most fun I had watching uh, And the designs DC for movie. the like, mutated rogues, like oh, the, yeah. the Two-Face one is really disturbing. Oh, it's super disturbing because it only has, like, one eyeball and then split. Yeah. The last one of the animated ones I saw was Batman Ninja, and that was fun. So, you know. Check. Oh, the story was lacking on that one. But yeah, but I, I liked I liked Animation-wise. Pr- yeah, I liked all the prettiness of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but this one sounds like fun on a story level. Just because so. they blend, like, those two worlds so. Yeah, seamlessly. Like, it would have been easy to just, like, throw them in a movie and be like, okay, we did that. But, like, they really put some thought into yeah, cause they what even... would be a good plan for these like would be a good reason for them to come together. And there is a great scene too where um you know Batman is beaten and mm. and he's telling the turtles like no you're leaving. I don't trust you and the rest of the bat family says what are you doing? Yeah, he pulls that old like the things he's done to Batgirl and Robin like without the turtles exactly. he starts to pull on them. Yeah. And they say no, you need us. And then each one of those fights is awesome, you know, they they have the ninja turtle fan and um, I think Batgirl's really great in it, and I, I mean, I already love Batgirl, and I think she has a great arc in it. Um, so yeah, every it's great. I love that movie. Yeah, so check it out. And the last great thing I saw is I watched all of Cobra Kai. Oh, oh. It's streaming for free currently. Might be forever. I don't know. I don't on know what, on YouTube. Yeah, they said they might be dissolving YouTube Red and just making it all free. So hmm. either way, I got to watch all of it, and it's like I watched the first episode a while back and talked about it mm-hmm. uh, but I finally got around to because um, on uh, I think I was on Fat Man Beyond uh, Kevin Smith was talking about this one episode where uh, one of Johnny's friends has I think cancer mm. he's terminal about, over something and so they they break him out of the hospital to go have like one, another like uh, you know weekend with the guys uh, on motorcycles and just camp out and stuff and uh, the guy who's sick is the guy who yelled, um, you know, get him, a get, get him a body bag. Yeah. And then um, by the end of the episode, he dies. Oh, fuck. They zip him up in a body bag. <laughs> um, so I was like, that sounds pretty good. I got to watch the rest of the show. And it does not disappoint. Like, it's amazing how they took such, like a shallow premise of, you know, this kid who gets bullied uh, by these other guys. And, you know, he has to, has to fight him and, you know, win over um you know win it over adversity win win them all competition and then this like you know takes place years later and it's not so black and white all the gray areas like they make johnny sympathetic like his situation daniel is kind of a dick Mm -hmm. um 
you know, he's super successful and like those two worlds come together and their kids, you know, the next generation comes along and they want to, you know, learn karate and all the, like the rivalry that's still going on. Like obviously the Johnny and Daniel are adults, but this grudge being adults hasn't gotten rid of this grudge. And so they do their best to try and be adults about it, but they can't shake it. And how that, like that little thing like spreads to their, like their kids mm-hmm. and this, like uh, the environment at school, um, how toxic it, it actually becomes like without even trying. Um, it's pretty, pretty impressive. Like what they do in that show and all the, the callbacks, like they make a lot of apologies, like subtle jabs to cry to get three. Um, and, uh, they, and they just honor some things. Um, it's great. Mm. You should check it out. Mm. Yeah. I, I thought it was like when I first thought it was the first episode, I was like, are they really going to glorify like Cobra Kai and make it seem cool? <laughs> and then you watch it and you're, you find out like, like, yeah, there's some good aspects to Cobra Kai that need to be refined. And, uh, yeah, like, uh, the stuff Daniel's done in his life has been mean to Johnny in return. And, mm. Um, he's kind of arrogant about his success and, um, and, uh, you know, the, some of the kids in the high school, like a lot of them deal with bullying, but in trying to solve their problems, they become the bullies. Um, it, it's, it just kind of makes everyone like on the same level, like, and it, it kind of shows all these like fake adversarial situations that we put up in our own lives when in reality, there's no reason to have them. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's great. Check it out. Can't wait for season three. Sweet. Because like the last episode of season two, I was I was watching going. Like, there's like a huge fight in the school, right? And uh, also the karate is really good. Like the kids, the actors, like they do a great job with their martial arts. Like the fighting is way more advanced than anything was ever in the movies. Um, but there's this big brawl, and you're like, well, this seems kind of cliche. What's going on? And all of a sudden, something. Like I was like this would be really great if this bad thing happened right now. And then it did. And you're like, mm. ouch. And you think it would just end there. And then there's a little bit of aftermath after it. And just like, it breaks everything in the series. Um, it should be cool to see what happens in season three. Sweet. That's what I've been watching. Cool. Um, I watched a movie called hard ticket to Hawaii. Oh, um, <laughs> yes. I, I actually, I hardly ever live tweet when I watch stuff, but I had a text Brad because I swear to God, this movie is the most bizarre blend of every weird thing I've seen. And I texted him and I said, wait, so the movie involves these drug enforcement officers on Hawaii, these women that wear really short shorts and cut off shirts, and I guess they stop drugs? I don't know. I thought they just ran, they're like FedEx on the island, and then I think the two guys are the drug enforcement guys, right? I, I don't know. Anyways, so they, they do do tours around um, the island, Molokai tours, some, something. Oh, yeah, Mol- they do Molokai. tours and they ship packages. Yeah. I've, I don't know. And So I'm watching and I remember asking you, I said, wait, is there nudity? There's like nudity in the first like 10 seconds. I go, oh, totally random. And the dialogue is awful. Um, and so I'm watching, I'm like, man, this movie's okay. I mean, I get why it has this charm to it. And then they 
shoot a rocket launcher at a skateboarder. That's the exact after, point that <laughs> turned me around, too. After they hit him with his Jeep. So they hit him with a Jeep, and it launches the skateboarder in the air. <laughs> and the dude, while the dude, this is true, while the guy's, I'm pretty sure, I might be remembering it wrong, but while he's saying, I never leave without this, while the dude's, like, sh- flying in the air, and he pulls a rocket launcher out and shoots him and blows him up. Wait, midair? In midair. Whoa. After he hits him with the Jeep that causes him to... The skateboarder skated by them and shot a... Wait, wait, wait. But so he skated by him first. He's like, yep, that's them. And he's like, okay, take this. And he threw him a gun. Because the first, remember, the first time he went by, he was doing like a handstand on the skateboard. And yeah, I forget. They're like, Ooh, welcome to Hawaii or something. I can't remember. That guy's smoking some serious doobies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're smoking serious doobies. And then he stops and meets some other guy at the end of the road who gives him a machine gun. And he goes back and tries to shoot him, and then they just run him over with his Jeep that pops him in the air, and then he grabs a rocket launcher and shoots him. Well, that one guy wow. gets shot in the shoulder. Oh, that's right. And they have to go to the hospital. He's like, ugh. They, he, they just got shot at, like, point blank range with an AK-47 or whatever, <laughs> yeah. and he only takes a bullet in the shoulder, and he's just like, and he says, like wait, oh, man, I that, that th- sucks. That <laughs> sucks, but I'll live or something. <laughs> and he says, wait a minute, I never leave without this, and he pulls out a rocket launcher, yeah. blows the guy away, uh, and then... There's also a snake that ate cancerous rats. That's now a a snake that is has an insatiable radioactive radioactive thirst for human flesh. Wait, wait, you you're just talking about two different movies. No, right? no, this, no, is, this is all the, this is all the same thing. Yep, because the, the snake eats some honeymooners that were dropped off randomly on a beach uh-huh. that they don't check on for like three days, and then the girls are going, "Oh, we got to go check on the people we left on the beach, and they've been eaten by the snake." Um, and then they go have this. How big are the snakes? Uh, no, it's just one snake. It's like it's a just, huge. No, it's a huge. Python. It's like a huge one that could eat, like physically eat a human being. I mean, I guess. Or are they stretching it for this? Well, movie I mean, that shoots skateboarders in the air. <laughs> it's pulled through the scene on wire that you can clearly see, even on my standard Blu-ray that I have. I mean, DVD that I have of it. Um, which I didn't know I owned this. Um, a little backstory on how I actually obtained this film. Yeah. Is my friend Brandon and I in high school watched this movie called Return to Savage Beach. And it's mm-hmm. basically the same thing. I don't remember it. I just remember the title, if that makes sense. Is it like in one of those grindhouse packs or something like that? So, yeah. So it's this one dude who made a certain amount of uh, 12 of them, I guess. And when Brad was talking about it a couple weeks ago, I was thinking, I said, I think I own that film. And so I went back and I got the, got the DVD at Bar- Barnes and Noble for four ninety nine, actually four forty nine because I have a ten percent off uh, <laughs> membership at Barnes and Noble, so it's twelve films, and so I'm watching Hard Ticket to Hawaii and it's part of it, and um, maybe the best part is when the one girl goes home at the end of the movie, and the dude says wait a minute, she went home by herself and he goes out of the van and on a dirt bike that I don't know where it came from. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, and then she has like a, 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 f- a karate fight with some dude in her apartment. And then after she kills the dude, well, she injures him, but then the snake shows up in her apartment and kills the guy. Pursue the toilet. Yep. Oh, that's right. It's like lightning flashing. Oh, fuck. Is this movie on Prime for streaming? No, I can oh, let you borrow it. Okay. Um, and I think it is, actually. Is it? Oh, okay, well, maybe it is. Yeah. I'm going to look it up tonight. So, I Malibu Express is on there. That's the next time I want to watch. <laughs> is, it, is it short? or like? Is it's it... like an hour and 20 minutes long. It's oh, really short. Maybe tonight. Maybe tonight. So she's scared because a snake is coming through the hallway, and then the dude crashes through <laughs> the, the door in his dirt bike, 
does oh, that's his... right. He burst through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> the wall. Yeah. He does this horrible. Um, Who's? Oh, your your yeah. thing came out. No. Yeah, I did. Um, so he bursts through the wall, and he does a barrel roll that's really bad. And he he still has his bazooka or his rocket launcher, and he shoots a rocket point blank at this snake, and his head just blows up. Mm-hmm. There, so I just spoiled the end of the movie for you, but you no, know. I don't care. I I'm I'm gonna watch it for the scene of a skateboarder getting shot by oh, yeah. a rocket launcher alone. And I didn't even mention. I mean, the most infamous scene of that is the dude with the the frisbee and the razor blades. Mm-hmm. And you're right. The frisbee with laser blades, like razor blades that are put into it. Oh shit! (laughs) And they really set it up. They actually set up that this dude plays frisbee with a hot chick every day. Mm -hmm. With and they call him Shades. That's right, Shades. (laughs) (laughs) This movie sounds stupid. And they (laughs) and he threw their intel with the Sony Handycam that's like yellow and the size of the mixing board. I think it's an underwater cam. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um. They with their intel, they're able to deduce that he can play frisbee with this guy, and he actually there's an actual scene where he's saying that I'm going to build something to take this guy out, and that's a frisbee with razor blades on it. And then wow. they go back to that one girl's hut, and they, uh, he starts building it because they have like their entire arsenal laid out, and they're the the guy and the girl go to the other room to. Get have it on. sex, I guess, because yeah. there's really no reason for him going there. But also, in the frisbee scene, he's saying, "Oh, it's to review the tape. That's why they're that's going right. there. That's right. The tape scene. They need scene. So the one girl that is there, who's playing frisbee with a guy, he says, he says, "Now get out of here. I don't want to see you anymore." And she starts running away, and she stops. And says, "And by the way, you have a great ass." <laughs> After he yells at her to leave, it's, yep. it's uh, epic. Um, so, that's, yeah. that's what Grindhouse Planet Terror was missing is that line there. <laughs> that movie happened. Uh, I watched. I was missed last week because I get, get stuck all the time. Well, actually, so my wife wanted to spend time with me, and you know she, what she she didn't like Hard Ticket to Hawaii, by the way, right? <laughs> oh, she met, wait, never let me watch a movie with her again. And I I tried to give her the backstory behind. I said, no, we know it's bad, but Brad told me about it, and it was at the Alamo, and I have to. It just seems so stupid that we have to watch it. But um, she didn't find it charming, stupid. She was no, like, she's a waste of my time. Yeah, this is a waste of my time. Mm. Um, but before that, because she wanted to spend time with me because she had the day off, you know what we did? We went to the fucking grocery store. There's food there. I know, but I'm like, this is what you want to do? But there's lots of food there. <laughs> Anyways, women. <laughs> um, so I missed last week. Uh, I also watched Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Um, it's all right. There's, uh, I mean, Godzilla's cool. The monsters are cool. Uh, human story's garbage. The home, human story, whatever. The only, actually, my only big issue with the human story is uh, Vera Farmiga's character had this big grand plan about overpopulation, and then she's not very convinced in her own plan because she goes, "Meh, I guess now I'm going to be help people." The motivation seems odd. Yeah, the motivation's case. weird. Yeah, because your so your son died by Godzilla, so you're going to unleash all these monsters so everybody's kids die. I don't know. Hey, you know what? Life is mysterious, Ryan. And then you know. The one scene that I always thought was thought was kind of weird too. So, they shoot a, a nuclear bomb at Godzilla to mm-hmm. power him up. So he they come up from the deepest part of the ocean, correct? Yeah, like this deeper trench. Yeah. So the submarine comes up, and then Godzilla comes up, and he's standing. It doesn't make any sense to me. Sure, why not? He's a monster. I don't care. But I get what you're saying. But he's standing up in the deepest part of the ocean. He's not that tall. 
He's not thousands of feet tall. Anyways, the movie's okay. Um, I mean, Godzilla looks cool. Um, I guess he'll fight King Kong later than March 2020. Um, um, so yeah, whatever. It exists. It's Godzilla. I slept through a lot of it, so. And it's got a badass end credit song. Yeah. I love that song. Um, Bear McCrary is fucking awesome, man. So it's fun. I mean, if you like monster destroying things, there's a worse way to spend two hours. Um, and the last thing I watched, I watched a Cary Grant film called Room for One More. Mm-hmm. And I adored this movie. Um, oh, yeah, you did. In, in the film, Cary Grant and his real wife and his wife in the film, Betsy Drake, have three children. Mm-hmm. And Betsy Drake, volu- uh, she she volunteers time at an orphanage and she decides to take this poor girl who no one wants to their home. And it's only supposed to be for two weeks. And she's kind of a brat. And um, no one uh, – she's kind of standoffish at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so – Carrie, you know, Cary Grant's he's so great in this film. Um, it's actually one of my favorite performances of his because mm-hmm. um, he's kind of slapsticky, uh, but he has lots of heart at the same time. And it's kind of corny and it reminds me a lot of a sitcom from that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so they get this girl and she slowly starts liking them. And then at the end of two weeks, uh, you know, the orphanage or the state's back to pick her up. And so she's saying goodbye and, you know. Cary Grant's a guy who doesn't, you know, he doesn't want any other kids because they already have three kids and kittens and dogs. It's really funny. And so there's a scene where she's hugging Betsy Drake and she's like, please don't let me go. Please don't let me go. And you see Cary Grant walking in the background and he walks away and um, they, her and Betsy Drake stop hugging and uh, she says, well, where's my bag? And you look up the stairs and Cary Grant's taking her bag back upstairs because she's going to live with them. So they... Um, so they take her in and then they take in another kid who's another um, he's a bad kid. He creates a lot of problems and he also has a disability or he has leg braces on. Mm-hmm. And uh, so even talks like this lady, you're crazy. You're crazy, lady. Um, oh, you should be playing some stickball is what you're yeah, telling me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so he has they're the really big characters, but the family's really trying to get him to like it's really charming. Um, he's trying to write like there's a really cute scene where he's trying to ride a bike, but he can't because of his braces. And then later that night he goes out there, um, to ride the bike and he falls flat on his face. So he's trying to be a part of the family, but he's not, he doesn't want to give up his tough exterior mm-hmm. and he never did well in school. So, um, the, the two parents said, well, you decided you didn't want to be a part of this family. And so now we're going to leave it up to the children or to see if you're going to stay. And so the children say, well, we're going to write it down in democracy rules. And so <laughs> they all wrote down leave. And so they gave it to the little boy. Uh, Jimmy John is his name. They gave it the name and he opened it up and he says, I ain't never learned how to read. So I don't know what it says. Oh. And all the kids say, and so the older boy says, stay, stay. So he told oh. him to stay and they went out there and they're like, we want you to stay. And it's a really cute movie. It's really well done. And I, I adore Cary Grant in this film because he's so good. I think it was in from 1950. Yeah, 50-something. So, 50 or 50. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, But it's one of those things where he – it's a role he – 52. It was a role he was meant to play. Mm -hmm. And he's so good at his craft at this point Mm -hmm. that he just owns it. He's funny. Um, He he has some, like, misogynistic, like, things about women. It's – but it's in jest. It's really funny. Um, it's a it's a film that, I, and I haven't seen it, 
Um, but it's a film that I know was popular enough to spawn a television show. Yeah, I think it's it. the most popular film of 1952. If I, I can, at the box, I might be wrong on that. I'd have to check some listings, but, but <laughs> I, I remember them. I know it's one of his highest grossing films. It would it would make a lot of sense, especially in the 50s when like cinema's like a little. It's it's in a weird spot because mm-hmm. television's on the rise. But it doesn't surprise me that a Cary Grant movie is like the most popular thing that year. It's just it's just really fun. It's cute. It's it's a more intimate film. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to borrow this one from you. Yeah, you made it sound like a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I recommend it. It's it, it's after watching some Cary Grant <laughs> films that they're good, but they're not great Cary Grant films. It's kind of fun seeing this one. Well, a couple of the ones you were watching were also some ones that are just like either he's not necessarily cast correctly mm-hmm. or he's doing some earlier melodrama stuff. Yeah, so. and it's, it's, and some of it's all right, but it was just fun seeing him like that. Yeah. It's a Cary Grant that I like. I never learned to read. Yeah. <laughs> I want to watch says, this movie now. <laughs> and his name's Jimmy John. That's funny. <laughs> Does he have any sandwiches? <laughs> I know. That was a right terrible now. joke. Uh, but no, this actually sounds fun. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Actually, on that front, I got one more thing. I've been listening to the book by Mark Elliott on Cary Grant, yeah, which we talked about. Um, yeah, that movie, or that sorry, that movie, that book, uh, is interesting and informative. Isn't but it, doesn't it kind of frustrating? Because I think he actually writes well. Yeah, and he tells like when the stuff with Cary when he's actually going through his childhood is interesting. But then he puts all this salacious stuff in it that there's no. Um, I wonder if because we were talking about this specifically with some other books that I've read that kind of I think it's hard for these subjects like of old time Hollywood and stuff like that for anybody to get the clearest picture possible. And so some stuff you have to just take on a faith part alone. Yeah, but like you but know, this but this in particular is like it seems like he's trying to balance some stuff and I don't know if it works. All the well, time. I mean, have you listened to the part where he's talking about how big. Carrie Cooper's like penises and stuff, and you're like, I haven't gotten to that point. Like, what does what does this have to do with Cary Grant? And it, I, I think it's showing it's to that there's some a little bit some sort of uh, jealousy on Grant's part because Gary Cooper was so popular. I mean, there's interesting facts in that where um, Cooper would p- pass on a role and they'd give it to Cary Grant because he was a contract player. Yeah, um, and so he felt inferior. But I mean, why is are we bringing up like Gary Cooper's penis size? I don't care. The rivalry is interesting. The his rivalry penis, is super the, interesting. But, the, but his penis size is irrelevant. It's irrelevant, and it's just trying to create salacious stuff. And because eventually, I mean, Grant surpasses Gary Cooper, right? And, and I mean, to the point where I don't know many people who talk about Gary Cooper anymore. We were talking about him on text, and I'm like, I'm not a big fan of this. Yeah, he's honest. all right. I mean, I, Sergeant York is a great movie. Yeah, there's some movies of his that are amazing. Yeah, um, um, but anyway, you, I agree. Like, I think that the, I think the. I think it's a good book. I think it's just it has a hard time focusing on some. Yeah, and I think he's a he's a good writer because I'm at the part where he's talking about the awful truth, which disclosure is my favorite Cary Grant movie. Mm-hmm. But he's talking about because um, I, I watched the documentary on the Criterion and they talk about you know Grant was really unsure of it. He he offered five thousand dollars not to be in the movie because he got, didn't get along with Leo McCary so much. Yeah, and so I think that's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess. Like the president of I, I can't remember what movie studio released it was mad at Grant, so he forced him to stay on the film. Mm-hmm. And there's also a rumor that uh, Leo McCary offered ten thousand dollars to take Grant off the film because <laughs> Grant thought he wasn't suited for that kind of film, and he, right. he's amazing in it. And he ended up working with McCary, I think, three more times after this. Yeah. So I think, and when you look at it in hindsight, it's like, oh, you know, this guy's. I don't think he meant it at the time, but he was challenging Grant so much. That Grant didn't appreciate it, but when it's done and he saw the product, he goes, "Oh, right. this is 
this is good. And so that's really fun because it's a whole chapter about it. Right. And I love that stuff. And when they discuss that stuff, like it's interesting to me. But I agree. There's like there's a there's a there's a there's a desire to try to dig deeper into him. And that's not a problem. And I appreciate anybody who has a different take on stuff because mm-hmm. I'm always open to that, especially with these guys. But when you when you when you try too hard, that's what mm-hmm. it is. It's not the thing that he's doing. It's that I feel like he's trying. Too yeah. Hard. It's 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 like the Mel Brooks book I was reading recently where I'm just like this guy's really trying to make me hate Mel Brooks a lot and I don't get why. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh but yeah no I mean it's a it's a fine book I'm going to yeah. keep reading. I mean it's it's well written. I just can't do without the tabloid shit. Yeah. But I don't know. I never learned to read. <laughs> just kidding. That's my favorite new line. <laughs> he doesn't even say it in the movie that way, does he? Um pretty close. It might not be exactly I, that. I want to get the exact line and make it a soundbite now for the show. It's pretty close. <laughs> uh this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we saw Dark Phoenix, the end of the X-Men saga for Fox. Brad, should people invest in the Dark Phoenix if they've invested 18 years in the X-Men franchise? 19 years? Um, Is it 20 years? It come out in 99 or 2000? 2000. 2000. 19 years. Um, so this Dark Phoenix story is the second time they've done it because it was so great in the comics, right? Yeah. Um, having seen it twice, I'm not sure what's cool about it. Um, because this movie felt very short. Um, and was very one note. Like I don't, I don't know what makes this story cool. Cause this this was pretty bland to me. Um, and felt very rushed. Like they were just trying to get it out. It seemed like characters were wanting to die off. Um. You got that from... I got that, too. Yeah. Um, I'll talk about it in spoilers. Like, there's one obvious one, but... Uh, like, s- some others just don't get the proper screen time for... Like, I, I know this wasn't planned as a final movie initially, but it certainly feels like it. Um, I don't know. It was just, just kind of boring for me. Um, and a lot of, like... Just, like, questionable stuff. Like, why would you do that? It just this this Dark Phoenix storyline. I just don't get why it's special. And this does like having seen it done twice now. Obviously, they're not going to be exactly like the comics. And I don't know what the comic version was like, but I just don't see what else you could do to make it better at this point um, to make it interesting because it's not as yeah. So um, yeah, Zach. So uh, when I walked out of the film, I put three stars on Letterbox, and I need to change it to two if not less because i enjoyed a lot of aspects of this film from the like fight sides and everything like i enjoyed watching the different x-men fights especially the one on the train at the end this film though it has it it doesn't have any clue what it's supposed to be x-men the last stand has a better clue of what it's supposed to be than this film and that's basically telling the same story um i think that the film has a hard time Kinberg claims he's trying to wrap something up, and I think this film has a hard time deciding if it even wants to fucking wrap up. Um, and I, I feel like there's a longer movie in there that would have extrapolated some stuff a little bit better, but I was confused a lot of the time. But the thing that kind of saved it for me and why I would watch it again is there's some fun X-Men fights in this movie, the kind of X-Men fights that I had been wanting to see done this slickly for a while. But it's not enough to... 
make me like it. Apocalypse was better than this for me, and I didn't like Apocalypse. So, um, you know, if I don't, I don't think you need to go. Um, and clearly, Disney is telling you that you don't need to go, given how much they really care about it. So, I don't think it matters at the end of the day. Um, but I mean. It's not like a dumpster fire. Like it's not atrocious. It's just un- it's unfortunate. I feel. Um, I don't think I answered. Should you go see it? No, you I don't didn't. think you shouldn't. No, I, I think you can rent it. Um, I'm not as hard on it as you two have been. Um, there is a lot of issues with it. Um, my biggest issue is I don't think th- what what was the motivation for the villains. I don't. They didn't really have one. They're the just most, aliens. The most underdeveloped comic book villains I think I've ever seen on screen. Yeah. Mm. I don't uh, even know their names. Nah. Especially the Jessica Chastain one. Like It's like Vook or something. I don't remember. Um, so, it, so th- yeah, the motivation isn't there. Um, I think there's some good ideas. I think that there's a couple scenes. I think w- when I th- think of cool f- scenes, uh, we'll talk about it in spoilers. Um, but there's a scene where Gene goes home. I think it's actually pretty cool. Um Oh, yeah. Uh, here's here's a trailer for Dark Phoenix. Ladies and gentlemen of NASA, this is Charles Xavier. Help is on the way. We're doing space missions now. Cool. We get the astronauts, we bring them home. Go. The heat signature's rising fast. We gotta get out of here. Where's Jean? Where is she? Jean! Should be dead. Did you hear what the kids are calling you? Phoenix. Hello, Jean. Who are you? The better question is, who are you? Something's happening to me. When I lose control, bad things happen. But it feels good. That power destroyed everything it ever came into contact with until you the x-men fear you and what they fear we seek to destroy she'll kill us all the girl dies she's still our friend she's not jean anymore That's right. That would be a bad idea. And see, that's the thing. Like, there are good moments in this film. There are. I think watching it, I, I, I tend to. There seems like there's more movie here. There, oh, yeah. There's, um, <laughs> there's something missing, and it seems watching it too that jennifer lawrence wanted to be killed oh and um (laughs) because she's said before and i read interviews with her she wasn't even gonna come back because she had such a bad experience with singer on apocalypse Mm -hmm. what the fuck happened to brian singer anyways um apparently he was always this way i don't know i mean it just really came out the last couple years where he's just been a d-bag but the parent but all the stories about him go back further than the last couple of years so too bad i made three great x-men films yeah and so um 
anyways, he, yeah. So I mean, the scene there. So Jean finds out that she can't control this Phoenix power, uh, which you've seen in the trailers. They they rescue astronauts on the space shuttle, and the Phoenix power goes inside of her. So she's trying to reconnect with her dad because she found out Charles blocked this memory of her parents both dying, but actually just her mom died because of her. Mm-hmm. And you find this out, which you kind of probably already knew, um, going to the house with her dad. And I thought it was actually a really cool scene. Um, I like the scene with her father. I like the scene where she comes out. Um, the The mystique death is pretty heavy handed. I mean, you could see it telegraphed a hundred miles away. But I like the idea of it because of the scenes that follow between um, Xavier and Beast, um, especially in the kitchen. And yeah, like, the idea of the scene is good. I don't know if it's done correctly at all, but it's good. I actually I liked um, Magneto and Gene scenes mm-hmm. because he's. I think Fassbender's a great actor and you know, him trying to get after her cause he knows something's not right. And you know, he's trying to figure out whose blood that is. And she won't tell him because she knows if he does, he's going to snap. And I like that they brought up the idea of him getting that, the Island, which is part of the comics. Like he's got a, like that, own, that, that isolated Island. Yeah. But th- I know there's a longer movie in here because how the fuck she get to that Island without the chopper and everything like they, they like beast drives she in there flew. with the jet. Was uh, it an island? I, I felt, just felt like it was a remote part yeah. of America. The, well, no, there's an establishing shot of a big body of water surrounding it. Um, but like it, it just cuts away to her. Suddenly she's there. Like you could have you could have had a shot of her flying over there. I'm not saying it's important, but I was just like, whoa, she's there all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I, I don't know, like. I, Dude, I I wanted a different movie, and I know, and I and I shouldn't have expected anything when I walked into this movie. So, well, I mean, you that's do my because I, Days of Future Past is a really great movie, and I think Apocalypse is fun. This movie, you can tell that they scaled the budget back tons mm-hmm. because even the fights, you know, they're fighting on a street in New York. And then inside that building. And then inside the building. And, I mean, it's hard because you just saw Endgame. But you don't have to have that big of a spectacle. But you just I think if you're going to have comic book fights, they have to mean something. And This whole movie felt like Jean gets mad. She destroys stuff. She gets in trouble. She escapes. She screws up, you know, some whatever refuge she's trying to find. Does it again. Goes somewhere else. And then the aliens show up and try to take it from her. And then the X-Men have to yeah, and I don't... redeem her. And then that's like... Like, what was so captivating about the comic book storyline? I think it's more of, I think because it's so well known now, Jean Grey was such a goody-goody character that that she became the X-Men's biggest threat was what made it unique. And she ends up, you know, sacrificing herself at the end. And I I still think the scene in Last Stand where Wolverine is going up to kill Jean Grey is awesome Mm -hmm. because I think the score is awesome. And maybe, too, this movie's missing someone like Hugh Jackman. Um, because McAvoy and Fassbender are great. Um, yeah, they are. But uh, Nichols Holt's good in it too. Yeah, but I, I said this when we reviewed Apocalypse: the the new X Men, the X Babies, aren't babies, <laughs> aren't as cool. You know, I, I don't know if they're miscast. I just think they're underdeveloped, and so you just don't care about them. I don't feel or, like they were given anything to do in Apocalypse. And then in this one, there's that's, even even less to do. It that's what I mean. Like. Where developed characters, you know, Xavier and Eric, you know, Magneto and Professor X, mm-hmm. they're great because they're so well-developed. These ones are meh. And then the villains are like meh. 
Cyclops has given some fun things to do, but I don't care about him yeah. in this movie. <laughs> that's, but, but what's the nuance of the Dark Phoenix story like? I think that's it. I think it's, it's, it's just, just that she was a goody two shoes, and now she's suddenly bad. That was yeah. that's why people like it. And the or, whole, well, I'm not going to make that declarative statement, but so the that problem might is be a reason. she's evil, and then they just have, have to convince her to find out who she was, and then she sacrifices herself. That's yep. how cool that was. Okay. Well, <laughs> for more information, you could probably check out the Dark Phoenix Saga. Um, yeah, I would expect them to like I don't know dive deeper into like it, what it seems about like you need more psychological stuff with her, right? Because she. And here's the thing, too, is her motivation is so weird. So she's mad at Charles because he blocked the memory of her father giving her up that he's trying to protect her. I understand that you'd be mad, like, oh, he's still alive. Oh, but you took me in. I've been with you for 15 years now, 15, 17, 18 years, and you're trying to help me. Yeah, and you've helped me with this problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, fuck you for not telling me my dad's alive, but, you know, we need to talk about that. You wouldn't try to kill him and by the way your dad's a dick yeah so helping but, you there but, it's, yeah. but they're suggesting that the 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 phoenix force or whatever the the space glowy nonsense because i don't think this is the same stuff from is this the same stuff from the from the comic story oh yeah she gets the phoenix force finds her i don't yeah and then that i'd under, have to reread it i can't i don't remember that's definitively why. and then that undercuts her her psychology because in a way it's not even really her Mm-hmm. Um, it's like she's been poisoned. Yeah. Well, so. or it's bringing out like repressed, re- repressed stuff that like th- there's an attempt at psychological examination here, and it doesn't know how to do it properly. Yeah. And um, then Beast and um, uh, Raven, I forgot that they were in a relationship. <laughs> so like when she dies and he's all upset, I'm like, I didn't. Oh, because I were think together. it happened in Apocalypse, um, which is again one of the many things I don't remember about Apocalypse. No, I got it on my shelf. So, and then like Beast is a smart guy. Like, yeah, the fact that he turns to like we gotta kill, we gotta like murder Gene. Um, well, I think just feels like really, really harsh reaction yeah. for. It makes sense for Eric. It makes sense for Magneto because that's who he is. I mean, you in Apocalypse, he annihilates people for what they did to his family. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not gonna say he's wrong. I'm just saying that's. And in First Class, he killed you know Kevin Bacon's character for. So it's in his character to do it. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Again, like the but they they try to justify it with the scene between Beast and Xavier where they're drinking in the kitchen. But that scene doesn't completely work because it, they've given me no reason or build up for that moment other than relying on stuff in the previous films. Yeah, and because they even they glossed over like some interesting facts that even that Raven says says you have us in these costumes so everybody likes us. I like the fact that they're. I love like, that idea. They're corporate because Charles wants them to be accepted, and he becomes arrogant to the fact, and that's leads to their unraveling. It seems like there's more story there. That's like a great concept for yeah. an X Men no, movie I agree. that's set in the modern era, and I mean, like, I, I mean, and it unravels the way it's supposed to, but it doesn't like the setups or the payoffs uh, in any given case don't seem to match up with each yeah. other. Uh, but Seems like there's more to do there. Like I say, I like that train sequence. That train sequence is fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and I'm a sucker for Xavier and Magneto playing chess. So that was probably my favorite scene in the fucking mm. movie. But it doesn't work either as a conclusion to this series if that's what it's supposed to be. Because if, just... if they were if they were going to do more, cool. But Fox is not Fox anymore. 
And now Kinberg's claiming, well, this is supposed to wrap up everything. And I'm like, clearly it doesn't because I see Phoenix riding around in the background. So clearly it's not over. I just thought it was an easy tie into the first X-Men movie. Kind of. Yeah. Trying yeah. to bring it full circle. So yeah. what are these aliens? Like? I don't know. I don't fucking remember. Uh, they don't develop them enough, so I have no idea. You don't know them from the comics? I I don't know X-Men very well. Mm. I'd have to go back. I have... I drank away all um, my X-Men knowledge. <laughs> I have the trade paperback of the Dark Phoenix saga, but I haven't read it in so long that I don't even remember the nuances of it, so I have to go back and read it. Sorry. Hmm. It's okay. All you have to know is that these characters are going to go away for five years, and then we're going to get them inside of, inside of an MCU film, and it'll be fun. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, well, next or, week... Or it won't. I don't know. <laughs> next week on Real Nerds Podcast, you will hear... Our live 400th episode. You just guys don't want to go see Shaft. That's the only reason we're doing this. No. You guys don't want to see Shaft. It's just our 400th episode. Yeah. Okay, fine. Well, I'm going to go see Shaft. Does he want to come see Shaft with me? Go and talk about it in 401 then. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> so it's a very special episode. Um, it's recorded live for a live studio audience at mm-hmm. uh, the Bug Theater. Um, it's a different episode, one we usually don't do. We all fuck on this one. Nope. We yeah. all talk about how the <laughs> podcast started. Um, so, again, thank you guys for 400 episodes. Um, you'll see us in the movies still. Um, so next week is just a special 400th episode. Uh, the week after that, we'll get back to seeing films. Uh, what's the week after that? Well, we'll be missing Men in Black International because of the 400. So we we either talk about it on 401 or we just see toy story which is the actual movie coming out that week okay i kind of want to see toy story or we do both or we do both or we push them down and um either way i really want to see toy story because the first reactions are amazing are they yeah i'm trying to avoid so they only do reactions because you can't do a review Mm -hmm. and so the reactions right now are people saying get ready to cry a bunch awesome so uh thank you everybody for listening 399 weeks uh we'll See you for the 400th episode, a very special episode, lots of fun. Um, and then we'll be back at episode 401 with Toy Story 4. Um, episode 1, by the way, Brad pointed out, was X-Men First Class for you yeah, guys. That's right. So now it kind of it comes, it comes a weird full circle with Dark Phoenix. I always think, the, you know, the one thing cool <laughs> about doing this podcast is you have seen the growth of these franchises and that they're all coming back you know? and that our episode 399 is just as disappointing as dark phoenix <laughs> <laughs> no our, we had a great episode that's kind of crazy that both the rebooted x-men franchise and the mcu both ended this year yep and within the span of our podcast it's crazy until <laughs> the table farted <laughs> until uh you know spider-man comes out oh <sighs> I'm excited for that film. I haven't been you excited, for, but I know. But I what? Fuck you! Spider Man should be always excited for. Well, I've never like been this excited for a Spider Man movie in a while, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because like I'm rewatching them with my nephew and stuff. But I'm like, I'm excited for a Spider Man movie now. Every time I see the scene with you know the Vulture and Spider Man in the car, oh, fuck, I love that scene. So do you think they're going to announce the entire next slate of MCU movies after Far From Home comes yep. out? Yeah, because uh, D well D twenty three is in the end of August, so I think that's when they're going to announce them all. Um, because there's already filming of things going on that I I don't know what they're filming, but I know there's been people been spotted. Well, you know, you just won't tell us. No, I you're wish. On an NDA. <laughs> I wish. Um, I mean, there's rumors that Norman Osborn's going to make an appearance at the end of Spider-Man, 
And I just want to see I want to see the Green Goblin on screen in fucking Green Goblin stuff. That's like my dream. It, you're telling me it's Willem Dafoe, right? It's going to be Willem no, Dafoe. No, it doesn't damn need to be Willem Dafoe. God damn it. Um, I don't know who I... I think like John Hamm would be a great Norman Osborn. Um, but they also have to play the <laughs> Green Goblin part. Yeah, he can play it. Bill Hader. <laughs> Bill Hader actually... Yeah, good. <laughs> he don't do the Willem Dafoe impression that you do, but just no, Bill Hader could like Bill make Hader. it his own. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping I because I understand their reluctance to do it because the Green Goblin was so featured, but it's been so long now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they can bring him back, all the Joker or make him kind of menacing again because they've already kind of mentioned the benefactor, and I'm hoping the benefactor is Norman Osborn. Mm-hmm. I think it would be pretty cool. Or Doc Ock. Well, maybe no. no I'd see Doc Ock too. That'd be fun. Hmm. I mean, there's no Green Goblin, but more Craven. <laughs> I see movie with Craven. That's still a plot for a Spider-Man movie that I like that you've pitched with Craven the Hunt. Uh, what's it's what's the storyline? It's Craven the Hunter um, with the Spider Slayers. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be fun. I think the Spider Slayers would be fun, anyways. Yeah. Anyway, we all Big know robots this... fighting Spider-Man. Yeah. Anyway, we all know that the upcoming Marvel slate is all Howard the Duck. They could hire me whenever they want. I'll tell them what would make a great Spider-Man film. It's just like everything else. I'll give you the outline. You guys got to fill in the potatoes and meat. All right? Yeah. I have the plate. You I just fill it in. The Karate Kid Part 3 taught us that the best villain to pick on a kid is a millionaire yeah, and, a, and a karate sensei. Yeah, because, you know, obviously the next Spider-Man film, he'll be graduating. He'll be going to college. That's a perfect time for the Green Goblin to show up and cause problems. Will Spider-Man have a bonsai tree business in this movie, too? <laughs> God, I fucking love Spider-Man. Then you got to find a Harry Osborn. Yeah, new college friend. Yeah, gets in the way of what's his name, Ryan. You should play that role, Harry Osborn. <laughs> Good. Oh, in front of that, that'd be actually great dynamic. I always thought Harry Osborn was a, Norman Osborn's a great villain, but I thought Harry was always a more unique villain because he's Spider Man's best friend and he didn't really want to be the bad guy, but he was kind of he's tortured by his father, tortured by his father to be the bad guy. Yeah, I always thought that was really fascinating. Um, but you know, I digress. I only have to wait two more weeks. Yeah. I'm bummed because I I requested the time off because I thought I was going to go to Tennessee with my wife, but I actually took off the day before we were going to leave so I could go see Spider-Man. But then I got scheduled, and they're showing them at noon on the 2nd. And I'm taking a huge chance I can use my Alamo season pass, but I can only buy them seven days or service heat seven days before the movie, and I've been looking at it almost every day. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not going to sell out mid-day. No, it's not. Um, I mean, I have to on work. On Monday. So... I have to work that day, so I'm going to go right after. I think there's one at 7.30, but it's starting to fill up. And I think as it starts getting closer, I think it's going to get really big. I'm just going to go and take a selfie of myself going like, look where I am. <laughs> Snap. Remember, I'm... <laughs> just start shooting his cell phone. I, I run code three there. <laughs> We're looking for Zach Eastman. Oh, fuck, he found me. <laughs> Till next week. That's my. Sp- I'm just getting excited for Spider-Man. Why did I post a Bye. picture of the theater? Bye. <laughs>Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. 
And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.